The Featured Players is recorded in front of a live studio audience. It's the Featured Players Podcast. Featuring your hosts, Bram Binderoff and Brendan Noel. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Riggle. Thank you, Don. We are here. It's episode number eight of the Featured Players, the podcast, everybody's favorite podcast, where we analyze the featured players on Saturday Night Live and talk about them and debate whether or not they're doing a good job, whether they're going to keep themselves around based on their status, you know, that that whole thing, the niche, uh, the niche concept we have. Uh, I am Bram, and I probably should have led with that, and my delightful co-host who I really lucked out with, uh, is over here, and that's Brendan. Uh, too, too kind of you. Uh, I will say, though, that you are doing better than I did last week because you at least you remember to say your name. I listened back to last week's show. Once again, I forgot to say who I was at the top of the show, and that is why you're doing the intro this week. Too kind, too furious. Uh, and we are here. Uh, uh, we just made, I, I'm pretty much the one who makes the dad jokes on this show. The kind and the furious, Tokyo the ki- Drift. Yes, exactly. With with a little bow wow, or former little bow wow, current bow wow. He's just bow wow now. See how is he? How is he bow wow? And he's supposed to be taken seriously as an adult. That's what I'm asking here. I don't really know, but isn't he soon to be the new co-host of Live with Kelly? This is what I hear anyway. Is this actually a thing? Oh, well, I don't know. I, I oh read wait, him... sorry. Maybe he is like one of the uh, the tryout guys. Yeah, he's he's at least his name has been in the conversation, which I find weird because like, have you seen Bow Wow in anything since like playing himself in an Entourage episode? Um, well, well, I really enjoyed the movie Like Mike when that came out uh, fourteen it, fourteen years ago. I believe Jonathan Lipnicki was in there, um, and cla- yeah, classic movie, uh, basketball, and yeah, I really... think he's in like he's isn't he in one of those NCIS shows? Oh, you know what? Is he in? Yeah, is he, he is. in NCIS New Orleans. I, I believe so. Yeah, maybe that's right. Or and, he, yeah, I think and, maybe no. You're but right. you start to notice that um, that those NCIS uh, shows they they tend to cast like when uh, they tend to cast rappers like or like the, those uh, cop shows like Ice T. I mean, he's been maybe, on uh, SVU for love years. Cool J on NCIS uh, Los Angeles. Like I kind of wonder. Like, it's eighth season. Yeah. Like, has 50 Cent been offered one of these shows? Like, has 50 Cent, was he offered, like, Chicago Justice and he just didn't... <laughs> didn't <laughs> I think that would be amazing if he was. See, I I think that, it, you know, 50 Cent has been concentrating on his movie career, but I think he's going to be one of these people, you know, like your Kevin Spacey's, like your, like your movie people who realize television is where the uh, the real stories are, are, are at, you know. I believe 50 Cent is actually on a show on television, on cable. Oh, is oh that's right. He's on. Is it Power on Stars? Uh, yeah, I think it is Power. Uh, yeah, I knew he was producing that. I didn't realize he was on it. That's a show I've been yeah. meaning to check out. You haven't meaning to check it out? Yes. Wow. All right. So this is an SNL podcast. As part you're... of my as part of my diligent effort to to familiarize <laughs> myself with the Stars Network. Uh, your diligent so. effort to familiarize yourself with the Stars Network and the uh, acting uh, repertoire of Fifty Cent. Yes. Uh, Curtis Jackson. What yeah, was the last so I... time you said Curtis Jackson? Oh, probably, probably upon the release of the, of the film um, Four Brothers. Oh, that was maybe a decade ago. 
Yeah, Mark Is it, was he, he was in that, right? Yeah, with I, Mark I think I think so. Yeah, because that's when I I feel like that was when I learned his name. His real name was Curtis Jackson. Yeah, because then all the promos was like and Curtis Fifty Cent. Jackson. Maybe it was a Get Rich or Die Trying the video game. There was a Get Rich or Die Trying video game. Yeah, I believe it was a, it was an accompaniment to the movie. I could be totally wrong here. That's amazing. <laughs> but um, Fifty Cent, and I don't believe he's ever hosted Saturday Night Live, but but he does have acting experience. 50 Cent uh, has definitely been the musical guest on Saturday. He has, but, but uh, he has not been probably the not that many times. And I, I, yeah, I feel like he hasn't put out like a like a charting song in a while. Maybe maybe he just isn't doing music. But yeah, he is doing movies, which is a uh, shout out to Fiddy. Yeah, great. Shout out to Fiddy on our SNL podcast. Shout out. Um, so it's kind of been an unusual week for us because it's the May upfronts. So we kind of have that like. Um, that chaos of um like thursday and friday it was pretty much like an apocalypse for all the shows you were worried about being on the bubble and quite a bit of them got canceled i gotta say i i was super distracted by that all week of course bram and i are are definite television fans you might say we're dtf and uh (laughs) you know i can't even take credit for that joke i stole that from the from the rob lowe grinder bit on jimmy kimmel but uh it, it makes me laugh to this day the grinder being one of those shows that bram and i both liked and unfortunately fell to the wrong side of the axe this week yeah but i sad it was really sad that was definitely a show that that you know had a lot of potential and i would have definitely watched a second season of and i understand why it isn't coming back because it was it was poorly rated but um so it goes this is a good point to mention just by the way that later in the show bram and i will be sort of getting into the yes uh, a little bit of the network up front definitely in terms of which shows were canceled which shows are coming back uh nbc released their full schedule today and we will be making fun of that but that'll be later in the show (laughs) after we after we talk about uh snl first but i think it's a good point to bring up the upfronts because for me anyway i don't want to speak for you but maybe you agree with this is that with all the upfronts and the cancellations and craziness happening which even spilled into the weekend because one of our favorite shows, The Carmichael Show, was, yeah. not, was not renewed until this afternoon. I was finding myself really distracted by and kind of my brain was more in upfront space than it was oh. in SNL territory. I kind of forgot the show was on the air oh, yeah, this week at sure. all. It's it's funny because I, I happened to have Jimmy Fallon on the other night and Drake was the first guest. And I kind of just thought like, oh, he's like in the interview guest. He's not the actual musical guest. Like, that's weird. And I totally didn't even process like, well, yeah, he's in the building. He's hosting SNL. Yeah, no. Like, it I, didn't I, even phase me in that way. <laughs> no, it's the same thing with me. I I, I saw him on the chair. I, I left the TV on for, for some reason. And uh, he was just... Uh, <laughs> he was just there, like, making fun of himself. Yeah, he was doing his uh, thing. But yeah, and, and think about just being distracted. Like, once um, the network started canceling stuff, it just, like, everyone was doing it all at the same time and and they would like stagger it out so so like no network would pick up a show except cbs pick up a show like like multiple shows in one press release it was always one press release for every show that got canceled or ordered and it was just like this barrage throughout the day where i i had to pay attention to twitter because i I had to know like i need to be there when carmichael um like some news comes out there like the, the one show i'm um, I really care about surviving on NBC. I mean, there, there's stuff that uh, is a sure thing, but Carmichael was like, well, everyone loves the show and everyone's ruining it for, to come, 
for it to come back and you know I need it. I kind of already uh, expected that the grinder would have uh, like would have not been renewed just because it, it got well below the Mulaney line uh, the line of uh, 1.0. Yes, coined by Dan Feinberg of the Hollywood Reporter. Shout yes. out to Dan Feinberg, one of our yes. one of our favorite TV critics. He was, but I believe he was on HitFix at the time, wasn't he? He was. He was at HitFix when he coined that term. Yes, Mulaney line. Uh, I actually watched Mulaney. That's off topic. Who hosted this week? <laughs> you already said. <laughs> well, the host for this week's episode of SNL was also the musical guest. He is a fellow Canadian, a Torontonian. Yeah, His he name is from. Is he's from Drake. Scarborough. He's from the Scarbs. Originally from the Scarbs. So yeah. that's, you know, that's the suburbs. That's a, that's Toronto adjacent. The outer suburbs, for those of you who are unclear with your southwestern Ontario geography and the way that we are. <laughs> the way that we are. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah um, I don't know. This I think this sounds bad to say, not so much that because I'm an SNL fan, but because that, like we're hosting a podcast about Saturday Night Live and it's like, woo, we love this show, Saturday Night Live. I feel like I'm kind of ready for the season to be over. Do you feel like that? Um, I I do more so because I know that after at this point we don't have like huge things to look forward to. Like we don't have like a like a Will like a Will Ferrell hosting the finale. We have we like we mentioned it last week. We have Fred Armisen, who we feel like he's he's taking like a residency after leaving. So it feels like him hosting really doesn't it doesn't move a needle. Uh, yeah, so like, I mean, it feels I I, I uh, mostly want to know like, um, well, we're the feature players podcast. We want to know if I mean pretty much everyone else we know about, but John Ranitsky, um and Jurassic Griffin would uh, certainly believe that Ranitsky is coming back. But we want to know definitively, definitively, if John Ranitsky has a future over at the show. And we that's definitely our mission do. here. Yeah, and, and I mean that's we've been, but that's yeah we have been pretty confident all season it's not going to happen and but we're finally it's it's kind of I don't want to say exciting because we're talking about somebody's livelihood and we don't yeah, really no. need to make it this kind of sick we root game. for them we do we 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 certainly have our inclinations about things but you know we we do not wish failure upon anybody no again we think then, we I again. think we take pride in the fact that we can accurately identify it or at least you know be confident in our prognostications but the fact is that as much as we might make fun of somebody's lack of airtime in the show somebody getting fired from snl is the loss of a dream job and that is unfortunate so while it is not per se exciting that the time is coming up where we're going to learn the cast for next season it is certainly an interesting thing to talk about and look forward to in the sense that because we have been doing this uh, all year and at least on the air for the last few months or so i mean we yeah we've been doing it on twitter before we decided to actually make this into a podcast and i'm really glad we did um we we have a bit of a following i i enjoy our small following that that engages uh it's it's interesting to have people listening to you um i was gonna say that when you are selected to be on the show i feel like that like that is a huge win because look at all the people that are going to like these improv clubs and like the uh, taking all these classes and, and going for these programs and uh, and spending years in stand-up comedy, even though that's not necessarily the typical route. Um, and you know, shows and acting, but like you're the one guy, John Ranitsky, who gets chosen for this season of SNL, uh, the year after the at the fortieth, and you you're you clearly showed something like you. 
you're a winner just for getting SNL because now you are an SNL cast member and that's always going to be your thing and people are going to recognize you from that. And if somebody likes like the Dirty Dancing thing, which they would have had to have been watching <laughs> live on air, then yeah. you know, they're going to say like, oh, I like that guy. I like Mark the Pirate. Give him a part. <laughs> like that's what happened with Brooks Whelan. Uh, like he got pilots. He's still like, he's still doing the stand up. And I feel like once you're on, like we've talked about um, with our uh, historical featured uh, players, like the people that have been on one year in the past decade have moved on to bigger and better things. Uh, so John Ranitsky, he could do something very special. And just the fact that he got on SNL and he played with the big boys for a year, he he has a future and it's it's definitely a good start. Uh, he's still a young guy. It's fine. And, like, shout out to Ben Rednitsky. We're not mocking him at all. Like, we're just... It's it's funny how the show is not using him properly. And yeah. we understand that Saturday Night Live is a jungle of a working environment. And I know that I can't imagine surviving in that working environment. But So, like, it's very difficult. Um, and I just... I like... I enjoy what we're doing in analyzing it. And our means are definitely not uh, to be uh, hurtful in any way. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo something that Mike Ryan at Uproxx, who's someone that we, we quote often as a fellow SNL podcaster and, and who writes about the show. Yeah. Um, although it's, I don't know, a little amusing to compare us and the things we do. He's obviously a professional in what he does. But one thing that he always says about SNL that I think always is true and always is worth mentioning is that it is kind of a minor miracle that this show gets on the air every week. And so I think it's an even bigger miracle when people are able to find their footing there and find the people they need to work with in order to write material and get it on the air. And what's interesting about Rodnitsky is it might not be happening for him in the sense that he's not getting a very visible presence, but certainly there is validity to the argument that, you know, our friend Jurassic Griffin is making that like, he certainly appears to have friends there in that doesn't always be that isn't always what's happening with everybody on the show i think that you could make a bigger argument that rodnitsky has his friends on the show more so than in the some the, you know the way that brooks whelan um has friends on the show and also something i wanted to bring up about uh, you know like we said we we root for people's success we try to we try to criticize more maybe we don't always do a very good job of it but i think we try to criticize more like bram said how the show is using somebody versus whether or not they are maybe an effective performer i remember a couple of years ago it was when it was after the 2013-2014 season which was the big season where they hired the six new cast members all of them white mm -hmm. five of them male and of course it was, it was super <laughs> unfair that like they kind of had to take the brunt of that argument of the whole snl is too white criticism because it wasn't their fault they were yeah. not you know and you know like that's a dream job for them and one something that made me really really annoyed it was whenever they whenever they fired millheiser and wells and and i guess brooks whelan in like one fell swoop there was some website i can't remember they put out an article basically saying they were fired and they put up a picture of them like in a sketch together and they had like little arrows pointing at people and like saying what names they were and it just felt like really, it really didn't sit with me well as if like the automatic go-to implication was like, you obviously don't know who this is. Let it, let me show you who this was. Because, you know, we take the show seriously and we know more about it than maybe the, the casual SNL 
uh, viewer is familiar with. Maybe they don't know this people's names, but it did just kind of strike me as as you know, me- yeah. mean spirited and, no, and it's, it's a little unfair. Better. No, I, I would definitely agree. And um, I mean, yeah, we were all like kind of joking at the time, but like, like look at that group of people, and, and now you see like Beck Bennett, who who is like leading uh the show pretty much besides Taryn Killam uh, I, I even think uh the episode that aired there was a ton of Beck Bennett um it's very weird how last night's show I mean it's very rare in any show where Beck Bennett is one of the the breakout performers uh in an episode certainly I think it's interesting that he was one of the only people last night who I think you could say had like a good night yeah no I, I would definitely agree I think there were a lot of people on last night's show who seemed because here's the thing. It is obvious that the SNL cast and crew loves working with Drake. It's clear to see in how he interacts with people and how he um, like in the way he performs the material, like he is committed to this. He's committed to every role he does. He seems like a really funny guy and like he's, you know, this is not like pulling teeth here with a January Jones, no, nothing even close to that. And so I, I just happened to notice though during the good nights that like everybody seemed happy to see Drake, but everybody just also kind of seemed like they were had that fa- look on their face as if like, that wasn't my best night. And, and I tweeted this, like when A.D. Bryant pr- introduced his second musical performance, and that was really the only thing she did last night up until she, uh, was yeah. the, she was she in was in the that, final sketch. The rap, yeah, 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 and um, and she just she just seemed kind of defeated. Like it was hard not to feel bad for her. She kind of, I don't know. I mean, it's maybe it's unfair to make a judgment like that because sometimes the people you think are super funny are the people who are not just like on all the time. You know, like the some of the the funniest people you know are kind of i mean yeah very low key in in real life this is something that chris parnell sarah veteran right talked about this episode of wtf with mark maron yeah and i would say that as well with um uh uh, pete davidson he was also kind of away from the live sketches and then he showed up later um i mean this was the one where daryl hammond again was in the cold opening because trump is kind of dominating everything right now and uh but you you know Everyone else has their projects. I mean, Kate McKinnon was in a lot, and Kate McKinnon's actually, she's currently filming a movie of Jennifer Aniston, um, Office Christmas Party, a movie that's going to come out this year. And wow. uh, was it A.D. Bryant had, like, Horace and Pete. So, like, they... She they, was, yeah. Yeah, like, she, like, they have other things to do while they're doing SNL. Uh, so, like, I mean, that's great. It's not, like, tying them down. and They, they have free time. Um Speaking of the cold open, I, I feel like we do, do need to get into this breakdown. Yeah, let's get into that because um, the yeah. the cold open was a very sort of timely Trump segment in that he's it was the sketch was kind of about him choosing a vice presidential candidate, and obviously Chris Christie is trying to angle it for yeah. being him. Um, well, he said his name was Joey Pepperoni. <laughs> Joey Pepperoni, this is PR PR person. guy. Yeah. Uh, I like um, I like my hands, Christy. It's not it's not the best impression, but I don't know if that really matters. No, and I mean I'm pretty sure people understand what the Jersey voice is there. Yeah, yeah. Um, not much to say about this one. We said how Cruz um, was kind of retired last week. We haven't seen uh, Jay Farrow's Ben Carson in quite a few weeks, but he did show up at the end of this one. 
and what a welcome uh, treat that was. Very welcome to see Ben Carson because he 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 has a great Ben Carson, um, and I don't think we'll be seeing a lot of it because he's not really relevant. No, um, and, and the thing I will say is, like, I think SNL knew how much everybody loved that impression, and they very wisely like didn't overdo it. Um, yeah, and not not just last night, but in general over the whole election season, is I think they really could have dialed up their use of of Ben Carson. And, like, everybody loved the kind of, you know, half sleepy, half creepy Ben Carson performance from Jay Farrow. And I yes. think they wisely duel at it every so often and and leave us wanting more of it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've talked that one up. Uh, yeah, the, the only thing I'll say about the cold open is I'm just going to parrot what I said on Twitter, which I I wish I did less often on the show. But just, just in, the, in, the, in the event that... Um, that somebody did not uh, see my tweets. Follow me on Twitter at Brendan D. Noel. But I tweeted last night that if any, I didn't love this cold open, but I think I kind of liked it. If any, if anything, because this reminded me. Different. Well, this reminded me of the type of cold open that I think SNL used to do and has kind of gotten away from, which is the thing SNL tends to focus on in its cold opens, and in terms of, and certainly in its political satire, is like here's a parody of a thing you saw. You you watch this happen. You watch this debate or this mm-hmm. or this CNN show, this Fox News show, and let's make fun of it. Whereas this kind of sketch, I think, is what they should be doing, which is like some the writer sits in a room and says, like, well, what if this were to happen? I bet it would go a little something like right. this. Doodle 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 doodle, and like yeah. and you know we <laughs> kind of see what it would look like. One of the things this kind of reminded me of is. This is like not a very well remembered sketch, but I I do kind of remember back in the George W. Bush days on SNL, where it was the weekend after it was like literally two days after the Friends finale okay. that they did a whole sketch with like Bush and Rumsfeld. I can't even remember what was happening anymore, but it was they they did this kind of segment about like their relationship and like in the Oval Office, and they did a whole parody of the you know ross and rachel i got off the plane scene and everybody was like oh my god like that's the friends finale and it was again like this is not a direct parody of something you've seen but i think it was so much stronger of material because they they kind of said like what if what if this were to happen and 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 we'll get back to this a little bit later in a a couple sketches from now but i like when the the real world of like the actual world we live in kind of blends together with um sort of cultural references and the kind of shared universe of characters created by Saturday Night Live. And so this was a sketch where it kind of puts these sort of classic impressions together that we know about and 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 sort of sets it in this kind of fictional uh, universe that is kind of only within SNL, but it so clearly reflects the real world rather than just saying like, here's our version here's our, let's put on a little play let's do a little skit about mm-hmm. about what we think happened yeah and and in terms of the uh yeah like um like not just paradising something everyone saw like there was that baby boss sketch later in the night which also kind of fits that frame and that also could have been the cold open yes and which, that's i thought yeah. that was a i mean we can we'll talk about we, it we can talk about that when we get there that, all that, right so that, that's the monologue um, was Drake. Uh, we realize, well, we realize on Twitter uh, that he shaved his beard. Uh, he he said, "Oh, he shaved his he shaved his beard for the show." They never actually mentioned it, but it was actually like a big phenomenon that Jake sha- uh, Drake shaved his beard. Uh, so that fact is fast. This is a thing that some people do, like who are like relatively well known for having facial hair, 
and they decide like oh i can't i couldn't possibly as if it's i don't know it's such a weirdly dated thing to think like well i have to be i have to look professional and well kempt for my snl hosting experience i think it was because he could like with no beard, he could easily slip into different personalities. I suppose so. I th- I thought it was particularly startling when Peter Dinklage hosted a few weeks ago to see him clean shaven because I don't you know I don't think he always has the like really long unkept Tyrion Lannister beard, but he always has a beard. So I thought it was a little weird when he came out like, oh, he's shaved. Like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I think it's a little over overrated the idea that clean shaven adds a versatility uh, to what you can perform. Says the beard I mean, co-host, but okay. I, I don't know. It's it's a preference for him, um, but the, but the whole thing about this was uh, like why why do they? Like he was thinking about why do people? Why does the internet make him a meme? Um, they had the uh, view the views from the six or I believe it's called views now uh, album cover of a stock image of the CN Tower with a tiny Drake sitting on the very top of it. Uh, so what they did was pretty much the whole internet uh, took Drake and put him on top of everything. Um, one of those things was the Seinfeld Diner in New York City, uh, which was Seinfeld 2000, which is one of my favorite Twitter accounts, uh, at that point, uh, looking for our show's uh, 10 Minutes of Fame, I filmed my TV and posted it on the show account, and uh, Seinfeld 2000 quoted it, and I got notifications uh, pretty much throughout the whole episode, and I wasn't able to focus for, for quite a few sketches, because I just kept on my phone, just kept dinging. Um, that reminds me of the time that I, uh, I, I ironically tweeted excitement that uh, American Idol season five finalist Ace Young had returned to the series finale of American Idol, and uh, failing to see the irony of what I was saying, the American Idol Twitter account retweeted me, and I got about a hundred favorites on that tweet, and it was just sort of nonstop <laughs> pinging on my phone of you know another thirteen-year-old girl named Kelsey has liked your tweet, and it's like okay. Yeah. That's how it is. Um, if you ever want to get um, unsolicited retweets and favorites, uh, tweet about Kristen Stewart. Like, just it's gonna get some attention. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> Why uh, her? I don't know. The, Why the do you fan, think she's even after Twilight? The fan club is rabid and crazy. You don't even know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean. Okay. Oh man. In this monologue, um, they cut in the audience i mean there was another one but they cut to um they're they trying to make a meme of john ranitsky <laughs> you standing in the audience um what did it say exactly it's looking at the wrong camera right like your my face when you're looking when, at the wrong camera or something yeah and it was like this this like one second shot of ranitsky in the monologue yeah if you i mean I assume all of our listeners would have seen this because it was I helpfully blinked. screenshot. I, I didn't see it. Well, I almost missed it. I mean, I hope people, <laughs> at least who follow us, saw it after the fact on Twitter because obviously after last week, you all would have followed our guest, Baudet, yeah. who helpfully tweeted a screen cap of this on his I Twitter account at this is a blog, DWI. Um, I'm actually just, it says when you're looking at the wrong camera and it is him just sort of like looking off to the side, he's almost kind of blinking himself. But it yeah. really did go by in like a split second. I blinked. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's what happened. Is you, that's that's how you miss stuff like that because it was just instantaneous and that, that was kind of his big ticket to fame last night. If I mean, I don't know, he kind of had some dialogue in the in the last sketch of the night, I suppose. Yeah. Well. Um, okay. So the sketch after that was uh, I don't I believe we didn't have a commercial. I believe we went straight to um, premium rent a car. 
Yeah. What, what's your take on this? What what was happening well, here? Well, I actually rewatched it today. Um, so you have uh, Beck Bennett and Vanessa Bayer. Um, they are renting a car from Drake, and uh, and um, he's and saying Jay that Farrow. there's sorry. And Jay Farrow. Jay yes. Farrow is the manager. Yeah. Yes. Um, and they're saying that they have no cars. Um, um, like oh, but they have a they have a reservation. Uh, but oh no, there's no cars. So he has to get the manager, and the manager is this Jay Farrow character, who I would say is pretty much talking like in Tyler, like in t- t- a Tyler Perry voice, like it was plurblum. Like it was unusual. Yeah, it was. I was <laughs> just kind of thrown by what was this was supposed to be, and I I don't know. I felt a little left out. Like I feel like the, this is something the audience really responded to, and I I was having trouble yeah. wrapping my brain around what it even was. Okay. I mean, I, I I like Jay Farrow. I'm I'm happy. This is he doesn't get stuff on a lot. It seems at least not stuff where you can really definitively say like he obviously wrote this. Um, yes. So I mean, props to him for getting for getting a sketch on and a character who isn't just Principal Fry on the air. Because yes, he his tuna. This is good for his hair. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it, it, he was. He was like he was laughing at at like his line deliveries here uh, man this i would suggest that you watch this again i think I, that's something i should definitely do because i, I think this it is went a character so in such yeah. a blur for me this is a character that only on second watch made me laugh so much and just like the appearance of him with the blonde hair he used to have lapicha um <laughs> <laughs> it was just like man I could see this being a recurring sketch without Drake, because it was just mm-hmm. he was like and Drake was really bringing it. Like we said before, like Drake, he did Degrassi, but his sketch, um, like his his ability in sketch performances, is very high. He commits. He's always like being the the strange one in the sketch. Which I like when a host does that, and Drake is one of the ones that do that. Like Adam Driver did that. Mm-hmm. Um, not many did it this year. Like Brie Larson didn't, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know if I would have wanted her to. Well, this but... feels like a good segue into the American Ninja Warrior thing because okay. I think I think we disagree on. Well, on well you well, you had Beck, use yeah. Well, you in, had Beck Bennett, and then you you had him like right after in the pre-tape. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I actually watched this again, and I have a completely different opinion. So. Oh, okay, well, that's we're, interesting. We're, we're not really going to fight about it. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I just know last night you said that... You, I, what, what was your opinion of this last night? Is You felt that this Listen, was not a good use was, of Drake? My or? mind was in a different place because of Seinfeld 2000. Okay. I rewatched these sketches. I do not I do not have the same opinion I did last night. Okay. Because I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, I think basically what you had said last night was that you thought that he was kind of a little... Like, he wasn't really up to the the task of this or it wasn't, it no, wasn't like no. brainy. What I was saying was, um, he, him being like him being thrown in a role, like as an announcer, didn't feel like a host thing for me, but then That's, I, I okay. really, yeah, there you go. then I really thought about it. And I like, like you had those like women's, um, sports, like, like when Jason Sudeikis and Will Forte, I believe it was those two would, uh, would play those like announcers that would like, they would always say like like really inappropriate things. Is are you talking about um, Pete Twinkle and Greg Stink? Yeah, that's ESPN right. That's classic. Right. Yeah, yeah. Summer's um, Eve. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah, summer's yes, exactly. Yes. It was always um, it was always feminine hygiene products. Yeah. So, so like you like really sports. hammered in the point that like 
his his Texas town got destroyed by the tornado. So, so I I really like the sketch because I don't even think I've seen an episode of American Ninja Warrior, but it no. just, it was so it was so confident in its parody that I can't help but think like no yeah the, I have the, to imagine this is exactly what that show is like. Yes, the editing was great and the sets. Um, I don't know where they went for this, but yeah, like, they, put, they got the pool that it looked amazing. Maybe I mean, they actually and you went can. To, and I don't know if you saw later in the night, like after we can update, when they were going to ads, one of their bumpers was like a, like a time lapse shot of them putting that set together. Oh, well, I didn't get that. No. Yeah, if 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 you have a way to go back and watch the entire episode rather than just individual segments, you can okay. hopefully see that. I want to say it was it was one of one of the sketches after weekend update that they just kind of showed that set being put together, and I thought, oh, it's kind of interesting. I, I wish they did that more often with with the pre tapes. Wow. Well, that that certainly is impressive. Yeah. As far as Zeppelin goes. Okay. So so yeah, and I and I saw you say this last night, and I was and I was ready to defend um, Drake just because I think one of the best things that Drake does on SNL, it took me back to. Um, a sketch that was he did on his last appearance, the the Rahat sketch with Nassim Pedrad, where okay. he was the, he was playing basically like the Indiana Jones stunt show at, at Disney World, and she was the um, I don't you know we we don't even know what that character really was <laughs> still to this day, um, but like that's a sketch that he single handedly try as hard as he might attempted to just save that sketch, even though it was dying a very slow, painful death. But last night, the American Ninja Warrior and his performance that kind of reminded me of that just in that I think one of the best uses for Drake on SNL and one thing he does really well is he's like really good at calmly narrating the madness around him. Yeah. Um, And I think like it was so funny to watch him just kind of very nonchalantly explain what a what a train wreck the Bobby Moynihan character was much in the same way that the character he was playing in the Rahat thing was obviously like didn't really know what to make of this foreigner who didn't who obviously didn't speak much English and like but he but he just kind of kept being like peppy and enthusiastic the way that a Disney employee would but also still talking about the fact that like hey this person is like really weird and refuses to surrender their rice and you know and all just very strange thing happening um it's the kind of thing I wouldn't have thought he was capable of doing before seeing him on SNL. So kudos to him. Yeah. Uh, he definitely, I mean, he has some really great lines in there. Like back then asked how he was and he was like, I'm a little depressed. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a quick thing. And, and just, you and know, it, he's, he, you know, my, all of my, the things in my house were, were blown away. And so I, I used all of like the garbage, the waste of, of the things I lost to, to build a gym in my garage that was also, you know, devastated and destroyed. And, you know, he's lifting like the barbell made out of gas cans and, and then cutting, you know, cutting like, Oh, all your supporters are here. And it's just like a bunch of random people. And, um, with, with shirts with Bobby Moynihan's face on it. And there's like, you can do this. We got you. And I mean, part of it is that it's like the American Ninja Warrior premise is a little silly in itself, but that it's kind of just like a, my understanding anyways, it's just sort of like a parkour obstacle course. And every time it's just sort of like, can this person get through it without falling? There's no really like stages or anything to it, right? It's just kind of like, can you do something and not fall? I mean, I would have, it was like this, this slanted, like, uh, he was, he was like, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but. Well, we, it, I don't know, but we won't try and make sense. By, by the end, he was, Ninja he was, Warrior, he, yeah, he, 
he just, he just tried to run across the water. <laughs> yeah, he just he tried to tried to walk on water. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the next sketch. Sexy kind of evening with Dennis Walls. That's what it's called. Sexy kind of evening with Dennis Walls. It, it begun with Leslie Jones um, uh, for PBS. I yes. believe she took uh, Kyle Mooney's place. <laughs> Any I'm, I'm, the sketch could have ended right there for me because that was that was my favorite part. That there was there was a backstory it, and a tension yeah. that we didn't understand. Where it, it, clearly. It, it, during like pledge drive segments on PBS, the Kyle Mooney character is very upset because Leslie Jones is like stealing his thunder. <laughs> it felt like uh, you'd be able to see um, Keenan Thompson in a chair, that that type of that type of sketch, but it didn't actually return to her. Uh, so we have this uh, this this sketch where uh, Drake and well, what was his name? Uh, Dennis Walls, I guess. Dennis Walls, um, and he looked like a bit of like a '70s Cat Williams. And he was kind of doing that voice a little bit, uh, trying to be sexy. And he has the cookies, uh, Kate McKinnon and Cecily Strong. And so he's just trying to be sexy. And, and it's it's mentioned early on that the director is mad at him. Yes. <laughs> uh, so um, at any attempt, um, <laughs> he like messes up like the... Everything's just kind of going wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and I particularly like the, uh, the 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 rotating bed. That was <laughs> that was kind of amusing, and then watching them sort of slowly all just sort of Kate McKinnon jumping off admit defeat, yeah, and just kind of falling off. Overall, I would say this didn't really do it for me. I don't think it was enough of a of a hook, and it just kind of devolved into a little bit of of, of too much slapstick for me. I think okay. I I did like it. Um, a small thing I did like about it was Cecily Strong not getting the double entendres. Like, yes. Why is that? Why is that dirty? Existing on the same spectrum as her uh, her um, former porn star's character. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Pretty pretty forgettable overall. I would say this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about it. I don't think either. We can we can just move on to Baby Boss now. Okay, Baby Which, Boss. Uh, so we have the uh, GOP uh, trying to uh, get someone instead of Trump, and one of the um, candidates is Baby Boss. I will. I want to. I will say about this because, and this is what I meant earlier about sort of how SNL is effective when it uses um, when it sort of creates a shared universe for its characters, is that like I think this is exactly what SNL does when it is at its best. Is it? It has all the. It has its stable of characters and i always think it's best when it makes it feel like all of those characters exist in this same you know snl cinematic universe if you want to if you want to call it that um, for sake of a comparison so like what better way to emphasize that that universe is a shared one by making it our universe making it something in, in a real world political events that we can reflect ourselves and it doesn't even have to just be putting them into a news making situation but one that is like culturally familiar to us i think one of the smartest things that snl also did maybe not so recent anymore but i loved that the first time john ham hosted and they did their Mad Men parody that oh, yeah. it started out as just like a straight typical kind of Mad Men parody that would make a few people laugh who have seen Mad Men. not many people back then had seen Mad Men, but they also kind of knew well not a lot of people are i did be not down just for that and so they turned it also into a two a hole sketch, which mm. I which was like took it took a really interesting turn, 
um, that I remember like not expecting that to happen, and I kind of like, oh, like that's really interesting. Is like, yeah, what if these like classic SNL characters were put like put into something else? And I I think again, it's like a really good use. Um, not only for it, it's not only I think a good use for Baby Boss, but it it does. I think it does wonders for their political commentary is to stray a little bit more towards the ridiculous because biting hasn't been working for them this season. I don't know if they've necessarily been trying, but if they if this is them trying, it's not working. So no, maybe this is what they should be focusing on instead, and and sort of also what they're doing with the yeah with the cold open kind of. Beck Bennett is perfect. As baby boss, the way he moves his arms, always get a laugh out of me. I think this is definitely not a thing that you, that you could uh, do too often. And I remember when it premiered, there was a huge segment of people that hated it. I remember, I, I don't I know if I hated understand. it when it came out, but I think this is one I definitely, t- I need a time to warn to. I don't. Yeah. I don't think this, like I definitely remember that, that this. I don't think this did much for me the first time Gu- I saw it. I guarantee he auditioned with it. Oh, like, almost certainly, um, because like this is just so him. This isn't something that they could have written for him. This has to be something he realized he could do, and then turn it into a character. Yeah. And you make a good point. It has been a while since we've seen this, right? I don't um, remember the last time. I feel it... like I feel like there's only been like three of them. Yeah, they haven't done a lot. Josh Hutchison. Been... Josh Hutchison may have been the first one. Maybe, the... Yeah, yeah, might have been the first or second. Yeah. But yeah, they have not done it a lot. It's certainly been a while since we've seen it. So again, Happy this is it. not a character that is in any way like worn out of its welcome or anything. No, no, I definitely would not say that at all. Uh, what do we have next? Then uh, we're coming up to Weekend Update. And okay, um, it's funny because we always talk about, this is always a guaranteed segment where we can get into how's a featured player doing? Because Michael Che is still technically a featured player for you yes. know, the next two episodes. I imagine in the fall, he will have finished his two years and get, and get upgraded to the main cast. Yes. Um, I don't know. Che looked, Che looked alive this week. He looked like he'd woken up, like he kicked back his, his, <laughs> his requisite Red Bulls uh, in the five minutes before this started. He seemed alive. He seemed alert and awake and, and was really like, it didn't necessarily it still has the problem of like it didn't necessarily it, you know there was nothing about this that meant that you know he could have been in australia via satellite reporting in while while colin joseph was still in the studio there was no evidence that they were <laughs> like physically within the same space as each other but it still kind of felt like the you know zip zip back and forth kind of them still existed even though they weren't necessarily like acknowledging the other person was there and so right. i thought like he was he was doing a pretty good job of, you know, seeming like he wanted to be there, which some weeks, some weeks it's a little more, Yeah, he's just no, kind of squinting and trying to read the cue cards. I felt like he was a little bit more involved this week. Um, uh, we had a very, very common, uh, at this point, Kate McKinnon's Olya character, Olya Pavlatsky. Um, she's great. And I feel like, I feel like every other month, Maybe even more than that. She's always on, mm, uh, but yeah. it always it always works. I like the moment where, um, bless you, he never has and he never will. <laughs> and they every single time they do Olya, they have a the line like that where you're, it's like <laughs> it's so dark, yeah, and it is an incredible like gut busting laugh and yeah, and there are a lot of those. And he, but yes, that is oh that is amazing. They were like 
it's maybe not to the level of you know hey did you fall from heaven because if so please tell me my babies are up there but that is he never has and he never will and said so stone-faced and serious is still still really good um yep. one thing though about olia though like I, I i you know i'm not like i said i'm gonna praise michael che and and how he did at least in the first part of this update i was kind of bummed though that the olia segment ended with colin jost and they cut back to michael che and I don't know, he's just kind of like sitting there, stone-faced, ready to move <laughs> on to the next thing. It's like he hasn't been paying attention to anything that's happening. And this no, is he's also kind of, for his cue. <laughs> yeah, like this, is, this has been kind of my problem. It's also gone kind of the other way too, which is like the show will end and Michael will have done a segment with like Willie or something. And they'll like pull back and Colin Joe's kind of just looks like he's, I don't know, it looks like he left and he's just like just ducked back in. For the very final like pullback and it's like you forget you forget that they're there yeah you kind of do and it, but and then they just they cut back to him i don't know it just it's he just seemed like look okay whatever shut up i'm ready to tell my joke now and i just like come on like pretend you know like when 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 seth and amy did bits with each other like it was so obvious oh, yeah. that they were getting enjoyment out of what of the other person's like interview segments yeah well they were hired together so like they they were friends like right from the beginning and mm-hmm. and they were very close and they would they would like constantly do sketches together and, and they developed quite a rapport. And Amy is also just one of those people that I can't imagine her disliking anyone. I was going to say, um, I, yeah, she definitely strikes me as somebody where like, who is her enemy? You know, like, like she started, she started UCB. Like she's, mm-hmm. she's very giving and she wants other people to, to succeed. Um, so, but like Michael Che, um, to a lesser extent, Colin Jost, I feel like Michael Che just, he's, all about himself um and i don't feel like he's willing to elevate um anything else other than something he's gonna be involved in and that's just part of him being a stand-up or just a presenter not necessarily working with people but he has to really keep in mind this for the future like it should be more of a collaborative process and weekend update should not be this cold and if you're going to do two two update anchors you need to interact and you need to look at each other and you need to be a duo because that's not what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I think it's definitely a fair point that, you know, I don't think Michael Che has come from a very collaborative comedy environment in the past. Like you said, he has been very focused on his stand-up. He was on, like, and, he was on Daily Show on for a month. Daily Show for a couple of months. <laughs> he, he was and like, so... he, was, he got the Daily Show and then he got and then he was waiting for, and he just took another promotion and then he left. Um, <laughs> I mean, SNL. Obviously, it's something you're going to want. Yeah. Uh, Le- Leslie Jones, featured player, uh, showed up to do her whole thing. Uh, she was talking about her age, uh, actually. Um, good for you? Um, it's another good bit. Yeah, I thought I thought this was good. Um, I mean, we pretty much know Leslie Jones has no chance of leaving the show at this point. She's in Ghostbusters. They're not going to dispense of her. It's not happening. No, I mean, obviously, she has... She has um a very unique voice for the show that people obviously respond to and um and the thing that is impressive is that like first for a a feature player who hasn't been very um doesn't have like a really long tenure on the show at this point Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people know the name leslie jones yeah no and especially after the summer but i do think um even her twitter personality yeah uh, people like paying attention to her when she's like talking about a show uh, it she's just very entertaining. She's she's kind of similar me. to Retta in that way. 
Yeah. Reddit loves uh, to live tweet shows. Oh yes, and, yes, exactly. They do the exact same thing. Yeah, and so it's <laughs> scandal. You know, if if they want to, if they are talking about something, it's hard not to pay attention to them. It's hard not to be interested in what they're saying. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, it, it's obvious that they are like you know natural performers in that way, kind of. Okay. I mean, so, I kind of made fun of this on Twitter a little bit, just in that I wish that they, in some ways, I almost wish they would stop trying to kind of give a um, like a flimsy pretense for why she's just coming out to do a bit that is like probably just lifted from a stand-up act she's doing. If she wants to reformat that into a into a weekend update bit, I think that's fine. It's certainly yeah. you know. People always find ways to go on talk shows and like reformat a stand-up bit into a into like a the host like the host of a talk show asking right. about Even... a question. Like I remember one of the very first times I ever saw Aziz Ansari on a talk show, he went on Kimmel, and he had Kimmel like say like oh like so like you're from South Carolina and like your family's back there and like basically just had like asked him that question so he could launch into his like stand-up segment about his um his two cousins he has the one cousin who's like really into rap music and he has the other harris. cousin who really loves yes is harris is the one who is which is Her- the one who's harris really darwish which is the one who's really into the usa shows is that harris and then Darwish know. is the one who's really into rap. I don't music. know, but I, I always love hearing about them. Yes, and one and one is one, and so you could follow them both on Twitter. <laughs> yes, they are they are on Twitter. I just thought it was, you know, it reminded me kind of of that. And last night, I mean, the way they explained it is like, oh, there's some new viral video going around about like what did he even say it was about? It was about happiness or or something like, whatever he said, like patently untrue. Like there is no viral video. Whatever he described is not happening so i don't even know what the it was just strange the way they had to feel they had to like justify this like i mean really why don't they just say like and here to be funny it's our own leslie jones you know yeah well (laughs) jay farrow was the third one on uh, talking about the um alleged rappers meeting jay-z held uh regarding the lemonade um extramarital affairs rumors i would say and what do we usually have on when we have Pharaoh uh, talking about rappers? We have pretty much <laughs> every impression uh, a, of every an impression upon of, of his uh, of his black um, uh, rappers, I guess. Yeah, just it's rappers, all the impressions that he has had is in his roster for the last six seasons, and yeah, it always remains good. The one thing Will that Smith, kind of surprises Will Smith is the best one. Will Smith is is too funny, and I love the way they set that up by like a white guy calling very earnestly, being like, "Were there any rappers there that I like?" Like Will yeah. Smith, like really toning, uh, you know, turning up the nerdiness uh, level. Well, that there. I like that that aspect I like. They don't play into it enough. Um, also, in that bit, well. Oh, I love when Will Smith, um, <laughs> all the sighs and the and the shouts he does is Will Smith. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, it eventually led to uh, Drake coming on because he was uh, doing a Drake voice. Um, yeah, that was dumb. At one point, yeah, well, it was like the Jerry Seinfeld thing. Jerry Seinfeld, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you had Michael Che. <laughs> he just like very casually went off script and kind of mumbled. But he looked at, at at Colin Jost, and he's and he's like, "You fool!" <laughs> <laughs> that was the one thing he said to him the whole the whole the whole segment. You yeah, fool! <laughs> I, I that was I like that. That was, and that's certainly a way they can go with their relationship. Is like if it if they decide it's funny that to almost make it seem like Michael actually 
really kind of hates Colin. <laughs> like, that's a way to go. I'm okay with that. Maybe that's a little too dark for the the typical SNL viewer, but I think, I don't know, I think that's funny. Just go with it. <laughs> yeah, it's But something. I feel like there might be some weird tension there anyway. It's something, and they're desperate for anything, so why not take All it? All right. All right, there we go. Black yeah. Jeopardy. I always like Black Jeopardy. I don't know if there was anything. I didn't really like Drake's <laughs> character in this okay. sketch. It was a little too The, the pandering easy. of this was you have um, Drake uh, trying to bring his Canadianness on the show. Um, he's a black Canadian, which, as Keenan says, your your Canadianness is uh, is taking away from your blackness. <laughs> which, like, wait, are there black Canadians? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like as an American, you kind of think, well, like you know how, you know what black Americans are. Like you, you know they exist. You know the scene. But Canadians, you don't necessarily like put the two things together. So like Drake is like one of those. Um, I think certainly the stereotype. He's is one of those, but he's also a... half Jewish as well. Yeah, which and and that was the that, I think that was the premise of his his monologue last time, wasn't it? There was there was like yeah. home footage of his bar mitzvah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe that's, I think that's maybe what they were going for is that the idea is that we're like a cold white society in the way that, I don't know, I feel like there's certainly got to be people out there who probably conflate Canadians with like Russians or, you know, something like that. People who just live in igloos in the colder northern parts of the world and not realizing like, no, we are a very diverse people. I just don't know that this was super funny and especially not considering that you know, again, we are both Canadian on this podcast. This should have been like a pitch right down our center. Certainly, Ugh, it had funny pandering. moments. I don't it, always love it. Yeah, and certainly when they get to the end of like, you haven't heard of Drake? Like, who are these? Like, I don't know. It's just they yeah. think they're trying to be self-deprecating, but really they are just kind of well, finding a subtle way to say, "Look at me, I'm going to talk about myself," and it doesn't. Work. Well, well, we got to mention of Rick Moranis. We got to mention of uh, the TTC. Was it Cardinal Offishal? <laughs> Cardinal Offishal, a name that I haven't heard in a, a, a name a that decade. I remember, but I didn't realize that it was the only Canadian name. <laughs> it was like a judo winner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's again probably the last time I heard that name was when <laughs> you know the Juno nominees were announced one year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. Um, I did. I did like um, <laughs> Keenan in his usual way of being very reliable. He he kind of went into like, it sounded like he was doing like a half Cosby, half Seinfeld. Like, who are these people you keep mentioning? Yeah. <laughs> he was way, Which yeah. is the response Wait. to, you know, him, oh, you him, him reacting, Just him reacting to anything <laughs> that someone's doing is always funny. So, I mean, that gives the, makes it a B sketch anyway. And, you know, I think that's why come the fall, I think you're going to see season 14 for Keenan Thompson. I think so too. Insane as that is. Even though, as we talked about, Maya and Marty. Oh, well, okay, we'll talk about this now. Maya and Marty um, is premiering on May thirty first, around the same time as the Maya Rudolph show, and they have this with my, with Martin Shore and Maya Rudolph, and they're starting to promote it. But recently, they decided to add Keenan Thompson to the cast, so they put out a poster where it's Maya and Marty, uh, very close, like, like playing a piano. And in a little small bar, because there's three to this cast, but he's not on the poster, in a little small bar, um, also with Keenan Thompson. Oh, or, but it's something, like, there's a, they word it in a very specific way that I, I'm going to Google right now, because it's, you mentioned it on Twitter, and it's just, it's the strangest thing. 
that he has, you know, found his way into this. I mean, not weird. Like, obviously, he and my Rudolph go way back. But, like, it is it is weird that because I feel like the way of whatever the specific line is on the poster suggests. Okay, um, okay. You found it? Yeah. A hilarious new take on the variety show, Dash, with Keenan Thompson, too. Yeah, which I think it's just, it's just such a bizarre way to put that because, I mean, I'm sorry, no disrespect to Keenan Thompson, but Keenan Thompson is very seldomly, and certainly not in any strong way, a draw. No, he's not. And um, people have been, people have known that. Like we've known that since the Fat Albert movie. You know? <laughs> Did that flop? I. It certainly didn't. It wasn't a hit. I don't think. Guys, Bill Cosby has a doctorate. Do you know that? <laughs> I feel like he used to have several doctorates and awkward he no longer has those honorary doctorates. So now it's just Bill Cosby wrote Fat Albert? I think so. Yep. I don't I don't know if I don't know, maybe he still is a doctor in some capacity, but Doctor uh, Huxtable. Now let me, uh, okay, the the Fat Albert movie has a twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but let me try and look up the uh, box office mojo results. Um for, for what that movie did, at least domestically. So the budget for was $45 million for wow. that movie. It did $48.6 million. So it okay. barely broke even. Yeah, but it eventually did make money. It made $3.5 million. Yeah, I mean, but then there's TV. There's deals. international money, DVD sales. Paramount, probably. This movie came out on Christmas Day. This was 20th Century Fox's Christmas Day right. release. Right, but uh, Keenan was already on SNL at that time. He was. He was about a year and a half into his SNL tenure. Okay. Um, Drake's beef. Um, we had this pre-tape of, like, it, it was very much like the Natalie Portman uh, one from uh, a little while back. But this was, uh, people would, would wrong Drake in some very small way. Um, like, uh, Pete Davidson, in his first appearance of the night, he would say, wait, you don't have TVs in Canada? And, um... And it would just launch into Drake just doing a uh, a burn at Pete Davidson. So they did this also with uh, 80. Yeah. <laughs> and the the thing that kept on coming up in this was Drake really loves Josh Gad. <laughs> and, you know, who among us doesn't? <laughs> yeah, we love Josh Gad on the show. I was, oh, um, I, I watched every episode of Back to You. I love Josh Gad. I, I did as well. I watched every episode of The Comedians. Can you say that? Oh God, no, no, I couldn't do that. Not as good. Yeah, not the comedians. Less than symbol. Back to you. Yeah, um, that is correct. Um, <laughs> we will get back to the great. idea of sitcoms being about television news shows when we get to our upfront segment in a short period. But uh, oh yes, for sure. Until then, um, um, I yeah, this whole Drake's beef thing. Oh, um, if it, it kind of lacked a a real hook to it for me. Um, it kind of felt like, you know, it, it was, it stayed in first gear and never really um, elevated itself. I mean, you, you draw the comparison to Natalie's rap, which is, I think they're, I think maybe they're similar in what they were going for in that they were kind of trying to make fun of the idea that this person is not really notoriously such a, such a tough guy. Um, which I think is weird for a couple reasons. One is that like, Drake has been in actual, you know, rapper feuds, has he not? Like, this has always been my understanding, is that he, has, yes. he had a legitimate feud. Was it Meek Mill that he had, yes. a, he had a feud yes. with last summer or whenever that yes, was? Yes, it, it, um, 
it was the rapper's civil war and uh yeah and drake was on one side meek mill was on the other and most people seem to be siding with Drake. Yeah, uh, I mean that but, was my. But, but you had but you had Norm Kelly, the uh, city councilor of Toronto, uh, on Drake's <laughs> side over there. Yeah, being a big, pretty much uh, creating his own fame uh, <laughs> based on one rap battle. If you want a very like esoterically unique uh, new new voice on your Twitter feed, at Norm. <laughs> at Norm, go How for it. Get Norm. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I get Norm. I, I felt I, like that's he, pretty uh, impressive. The Norm McDonald. Uh, I know you would think that he would be if... the norm. If anybody could get the at Norm Twitter account, yeah. But no, it is Toronto City Councilor Norm Kelly. Um, the thing about yeah, and I, the thing about Natalie's rap is that that there was no first gear in Natalie's rap. Natalie's rap started going 180 miles an hour pretty much from the get go, um, and is kind of classic and memorable as a result. I don't think this is something that anybody's really gonna remember but i mean i don't know i already saw no. this on reddit today I, with the 2000 well, upvotes so i mean I, I reddit do does love, not speak as a yeah. larger you know for, for society in any way certainly that do is a love very niche time, segment yeah. of the internet but. <laughs> do love anytime you can get lauren michaels out there and some could call him a bitch because it's uh very reminiscent of when tracy morgan would do it yeah so i i like it anytime you could uh pull that off made me laugh a lot he looked old in that segment like he showed up said that and i said this on twitter that i was kind of i wasn't prepared necessarily by the fact that like i don't know lauren mike was just kind of i feel like for a long time he he looked exactly the same and it was like the the, his age was almost starting to show a little bit like he looked a little i don't know if he looked a tiny little bit heavier or his hair looked a little thinner but he just kind of seemed older a little little disappointed that uh they didn't have um paul simon just randomly standing next to him during that bit yeah, I kind of assume that Paul Simon is always standing next to Lauren Michaels at any given moment. <laughs> um, I, the SNL archive, archive, the um, whatever the one they show at ten o'clock was mm-hmm. Maya Rudolph. Oh yeah, um, and they had Paul Simon in the monologue, just standing there, and Maya just like, "Oh hey, Paul." Already forgotten about that. Yeah, it was the uh, "Do you want to funk?" Actually, yes. pretty fun. Well, I, I thought it was funny. I can't remember. Um, I think it might have been Andy Richter. He tweeted out, you know, it was a, it was a shot from the end of that episode in the Good Nights, and his caption was like, "2012 was a weird year," and it's a photo of Justin Timberlake holding a sign that says, "I love you, Bonnie Vare," or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, um, we have our last sketch of the night, which is a spring fling. Uh, dr- you talk about it. It was it was a very strange last uh, sketch of the night, and I don't really have much to say about it. But you have John Bernetsky in there, so we must talk about his, it. His his first appearance since the monologue i believe uh in anything live anything was he in was he in drake's beef um well no i don't uh, think he no, was he definitely was not okay um this was bizarre i think it i almost kind of like that they didn't really explain what was going on um at least not at first i mean they explained that he's a he's kind of a professional chaperone um but they don't really explain a who hired him and be like if there's a specific person he's kind of tasked to watch and also they obviously don't explain why he's basically dressed like hulk hogan with the yeah. same haircut and mustache oh my god i mean I, yeah like i said even for 10 to 1 this was pretty bizarre <sighs> uh yeah i, I don't I mean, remember anything from it to be honest I, um... it was it was such a 
blur and whirlwind again of of just stuff happening it almost was hard kind of to remember what was happening like because i spent so much of the time rather than concentrating on what was happening i was trying to wrap my brain around like the first five seconds of the sketch i mean like wait what what did happen what was happening and why and then suddenly like the the rest of the sketch has ended and i'm just kind of like okay well i'm i'm still i'm still back at square one like help me through this yeah it was I, it was bizarre um i don't really have much to say about this one it i was lost i don't really either and you know what that's that's your, show that's your drake snl show so i mean yeah and i think overall i think there was enough here that was good uh i think you should go back and watch the uh the rental car place yeah i think here he really did do a good job with what he was given even in the last sketch uh i don't even know what he pitched but um it was a good show uh yeah. by those standards and i do wonder what next week's show Fred Armisen's gonna be like. I don't want them to do prints because that would be I don't one of think, the worst things. I don't think they will. <laughs> um, I mean there was pre like they kept doing Robin Gibb after after he died. Um <laughs> That's funny though. No, it had been a while. Like it had been yeah. over a year since he died when they brought back Barry Good Talk Show. Um but yeah. Like even even when Fred Armisen was like that, the last time they did that Prince show sketch was I think it was with Steve Martin, um, or actually no they they did another one later, but there was a while between when they stopped doing Prince show sketches and when Fred Armisen left the show. Agreed. So I, I mean if if they hadn't aired that special, I don't think I don't even think we'd be talking about it to be honest, because I don't know how many people even remember that he did it. I don't think so. No, I I. Uh... I am. Yeah. I'm just let's, as weird as up. you are about what the show is going to look like. I think it is going to be cameo heavy. Um, we haven't had any chance to miss. Fr- I mean, has Fred? Ar- this isn't even Fred Armisen's first appearance on SNL in 2016, right? Because didn't he do a <laughs> David Bowie tribute? He introduced um, a little David Bowie thing. I. Uh, I want to say he did that back in January. Well, he did. He he. David Bowie died in January. Yeah. So I want to. Wasn't it on the Adam Driver show? I can't remember that. <laughs> I feel like that. I feel like that happened, but. Okay, we don't figure it out now. Yeah. Um. Okay, can we get into some TV talk? Because it's the upfronts. Let's get get back into this. Let's get into some TV talk. So, if you're a if you're a television fan, you and and if you're certainly a fan to on the level that we are. The big news in your TV world this week would have been the network upfronts. These are the uh, lavish, expensive presentations that all of the networks put on in the second or third week of May uh, in front of advertisers in which they unveil their new fall lineups and what shows have been renewed, what shows have been canceled, and what time slots the shows are going to be in the fall. Um, certainly, it's an event that is covered by press, by by television critics um but it really is that it's at its heart it's an event for advertisers because they're trying to pitch their shows and have um corporations buy ad time on them for the fall so right now we only have one schedule that's been released so far uh nbc uh released their schedule today their actual upfront presentation will be tomorrow Way back when, every every network had a day. NBC went on Monday, ABC on Tuesday, CBS Wednesday, Fox on Thursday. A yeah. couple of years ago, NBC actually tried to pull out of upfronts. They tried to, um, they tried to do something called an infront. They announced their schedule, I think, in April, and they tried to create all kinds of elaborate new 
um, oh, we're going to have new original programming of all your favorite shows on 39 weeks of the year and something insane like that. It was one of the classic beloved failed attempts at innovation from NBC in the period where they were basically losing to Univision every night of the week. Um, but now NBC is back in Upfronts. They tried to move back on Monday. When they moved out of Upfronts, Fox took their day. And so now NBC and Fox will both do Upfront presentations tomorrow. NBC releases their oh. schedule and does their conference call uh, on the Sunday now, basically so that it is a little bit less okay, of a log is, jam really <laughs> for the press. So, again, super inside baseball, but just, just for the sake of, of clarification of what exactly it is that okay. we're talking about when we talk about Upfronts. Uh, that's what it is. So, but yes, just, and again, just for historical context of when you're listening to this, it is Sunday evening. So we have a schedule for NBC in the fall. We don't have schedules for the other networks, but we know what shows are, have been canceled for this past season. We also know what new shows will be on the air for next season at some point. I don't know if they're fall premieres Um, or mid season, but yes, go ahead. Okay. Well, I felt the NBC schedule was very kind of boring just because, they did order a lot of shows, um, but I felt that I mean, I didn't feel this fact. Uh, they only had three new shows on in the fall. Yeah, pretty boring. Uh, and, I mean, the the unfortunate yeah. thing about I mean, NBC is a network that I will will always love. It is it is put on some of my favorite shows of all time. A lot of them that came about during their period where nobody was watching them, but they had their critical darlings, they had their Parks and Recs and their Friday Night Lights and and things like that. Yeah, it is sad almost that because NBC has rebounded in success with their boring roster of Chicago shows <laughs> that which this is an insane stat. So between the Chicago shows and Law and Order SVU, Dick Wolf is the producer of 40% of NBC's yes. scripted hours in the fall. Yes. This is bonkers. Well, well, Chicago Justice is not airing in the fall. It's not. It's at midseason, but he's got he's got Chicago Fire PD and Med and Launderer Special Victims Unit. That is a lot of Dick Wolf crime procedures. It's a rich guy. It's a rich guy. Yeah, um, um, I agree with you that yeah. the schedule is is super boring. I mean, like, well, we have the, we have the Voice uh, Monday and Tuesday again. We have uh, on Mondays, uh, I believe, it was Blind Spot last year. You know, Blacklist. The year before we have we have timeless which is a time travel show is it abigail spencer it's abigail spencer who you may know and love like we do from rectify on sunday's yeah. channel it's got malcolm barrett who was uh better off ted. lamb on better off ted um and a third guy who i don't know is he somebody yeah <laughs> i don't know him he's I thought a he third was the... guy who's like kind of racist in the in the trailer it's very yeah. weird. They're trying to like stop the Hindenburg, or they're trying to. That's at least the premise of the. Basically, that they're yeah. they're time travelers. They have a spaceship that is something kind of vaguely reminiscent of Stargate, almost. Yes. Um. They go back in time. They do crazy stuff. They try and solve natural dis- like you know an enormous disasters in history. Um, well, the, I'm the pilot ma- episode's premise is that they're going to stop the Hindenburg crash. I don't know if the premise can sustain. No. Um, like that every single week it'll be that big of a historical disaster. I also don't no. know if the budget that the show will have every, every single week will let no. them, you know, stop an exploding Zeppelin kind of thing. No. But No, I, I'm i still making my way through um, 11, 22, 63. I haven't uh, started it yet. I need to do it's, that. It's the production. Uh, I believe it was shot uh, mostly in Toronto, also in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the production is great. Uh, it, it does the period... Uh, 60s setting very well. Franco's good. 
Um, this kind of gave me that vibe a little bit. If we're going to go to different time periods and like see, like, like, and just get that on TV. Yeah. I, I'm excited. I, I mean, it looks fun enough, but it just feels like a show that I'm going to tune out eventually. Yeah. This can, we'll I, I could totally see my, this is the kind of show that they'll put on Hulu in August and I'll definitely watch it. Um, but I could, and I don't have high hopes for, it, but I think it'll just kind of not quite be there enough for me okay. to stick with it. Despite the fact that, again, I love Abigail Spencer. I love her on Rectify. Yeah, she's really good. Malcolm Barrett is one of my favorites. I'll, I'll yeah. love everybody from the cast of Better Off Ted. Um, but yeah, I mean, much as Designated Survivor is sure to be my dad's new favorite show, you bet your ass my mom is going to be watching the entire season of Timeless. This is totally <laughs> in her wheelhouse, this kind of bullshit sci-fi my, par- my parents my parents hate sci-fi oh that's so funny because it's like any my mom watches blind spot she watches and anything loves fake blind spot anything fake they don't like yeah yeah well you have uh, on tuesday after the voice in um before chicago fire this is us and i believe this is a, a jason cadam show i is it because it, it, i think it, it is. looks like one what well, looks like parenthood it yeah. feels like kind of like a very soft Everyone has the same birthday. It's kind of like Sense Eight. Well, it's like people. Here's the thing: are con- the, according yeah. to the press release, some of them share the same birthday. <laughs> I saw they that. They can't even fully commit to the premise that everybody has <laughs> the same that? birthday, despite the trailer making it clear that 18 million people around the world all share the same birthday. Why is that? The- <laughs> so this is created by Dan Fogelman, who did. Uh, oh no, him. Um, the neighbors. Yes, he did the neighbors. Yes, that's it. And oh, Galavant. So he it doesn't just, even look funny. So he just came off of Galavant. <laughs> um, apparently, he wrote Crazy Stupid Love. That was yeah. that was highly touted in the trailer. I mean, this is a decent cast. It's got it's got Mandy Moore and um, Milo Ventimiglia, who still has his his crazy beard from when he did that show, The Whispers, on ABC a couple of summers yeah. ago. Um, I mean, I don't know if Jason Kadams is behind this. I hope not. Almost just because this looked like a way like way too overdone kind of parody of the kind of subtlety family drama that he's he's done with a show like parenthood could could be a bad pilot could be a bad trailer it could um, be i certainly don't have faith in nbc it. cutting the trailers together no um well two things two things to note one is that the only reason i could see myself watching this show at all with any regularity is because i like sterling k brown okay he's great on <laughs> oj simpson who was he in that so sterling k brown was um chris darden on oh uh, yes, yes yes i like him yeah he's very good and he's in this trailer i guess he's he's meeting the father he never knew and gets very angry at his dad and so he gets the he gets to do the most acting in this show it seems like mm-hmm. i wonder how much the show is going to be kind of pushing the boundaries sort of of what network tv is trying to do because like Literally in the first five seconds of this ad, of this of the trailer is like you just see Milo Ventimiglia's ass. He just like is naked and sitting down <laughs> yes. on the bed. And I'm just kind of like, are they? This is just gonna be on TV? Like, can you do this at 9 p.m. on network TV? I feel like <laughs> ever since Janet Jackson is they you kind of they've been moving away from sort of just the casual nudity yeah. of the of the NYPD blues and stuff like that. And I was just kind of like, oh okay, like it seemed yeah. a very bizarre thing to like. I mean, these are. These are probably shows that um, will get canceled, and and uh, and Beth and Melinda are going to decide to do it for the Adios Amigos. Oh, I cannot wait to talk about um, this. This is us. No, I, I want to talk about Downward Dog. Okay. Um, well, okay, we're well, not we're not for, done with the NBC schedule. So we'll... Okay, let's just talk about Thursday. Um, so, gone are the days where we had 
a full comedy night uh, when the office was around. We have uh, anchoring the night uh, as it was before. Superstore is a very strong uh, self-starter. So we have Superstore at Friday at eight, and then you have the Good Place eight thirty, which is a new Mike Schur show. And uh, he was very secretive about this premise. Uh, he wouldn't even say what it was about. So we have it, and it's essentially um, it's like heaven. Yeah, right? basically the premise is that um, Kristen Be- um, Kristen Bell. That's I'm there's too too many people with s- similar sounding names. I it's Kristen Bell from Veronica Mars, and uh, I guess House of Lies. You would know her from if you watch House of Lies on Showtime. She plays a woman who basically has had her identity mistaken. She's been sent to heaven because somebody else who has the same name as her has done a lot of good deeds. She's gotten a lot of innocent people off death row, and so basically. I guess the premise is she's kind of working with somebody else in heaven who knows her secret and she has to figure out how to basically earn her spot in the good place because she were, she doesn't make ever ever make reference to hell but she calls it the bad place. Um do you know what it is? It's uh I don't know if you've seen this movie Albert Brooks uh, defending your life. Oh uh, no, I haven't seen that. Oh, excellent. Um Meryl Streep is is a low interest in that movie. Oh, okay. but it's pretty much the same premise. Yeah, it's certainly kind of sounds like it she's basically just has to prove that she's a good person and that she is worthy of her spot in heaven before anybody figures out the slip up i guess yeah i i i'm into it and i think there's a lot of potential to this premise and uh a creator like mike sure going for it i'm excited about that and i it just feels like it may be a bit too out there um like remember that like jane lynch pilot this year with the uh, hell yeah Angel from from Hell, which no one really, uh, <laughs> no one cared about. No one really got um, in its wavelength. Cancelled after I think five episodes. They put out like that seven minute trailer for it, and <laughs> I just immediately was uninterested. I was like falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing about but, uh, the thing about the Good Place, I think it. Yeah. I mean, certainly this is one I I think I've already locked myself into. You know, the entire mm-hmm. 2016 run of this show, just because um, Mike sure has earned that trust yeah. for me um ted danson too i hope ted danson i like in a lot of things um he's good on board to death board to death wasn't one of my favorite shows ever i liked um, it but good on, uh, CSI, good on csi cyber r.i.p the csi franchise yeah r.i.p that's uh that's sad my my aunt will be very upset that the cyber show was canceled <laughs> the cyber show <laughs> that's apparently what she was she was it's, calling it's... it it's where the teen cyber. Well, she loves Patricia Arquette because she watched Medium all those years, and so I think she was okay. she was kind of. I always of... forget she was on Medium. She's like she won an Oscar and immediately she, she started won, series and, and she won an Emmy for Medium. I don't think people remember that. I guess. She won. I don't she it. won the Emmy for lead actress in a drama series for the first Listen, season. Listen, I of watched Medium. the 3D episode of Medium. That's pretty much all I watched. I watched the entire run of Medium. It's a halfway decent procedural. Good for you. Good for you. It's certainly a visually interesting show. You know, good, place. good family moments. It's... But anyway. The thing about Excited the good the... place is that I yeah. can't imagine this is a show that um, is a success. No, I can't imagine it either. I, I just really hope it is. <laughs> I think that it's just going to be a little too... It's either going to be not good enough, and it's going to be one of those shows like a Go On or a, or a New Normal, or it's yeah. going to be too good, and it's going to alienate the people who, who don't understand it, I think. Yeah, no, I feel I feel that for sure. I just I, I don't want Superstore to get canceled after season two. No, I don't either. I mean, the I, thing is, 
I I said this on Twitter. I'm a little surprised that Powerless, which is the the DC yes. Comics um, universe sh- a comedy that sort of follows an insurance company that is dealing with like insurance claims on mm-hmm. on superhero destruction. Great premise. Is not it is it's a really clever idea. It's not on the fall schedule. I thought that was a no-brainer pairing with Superstore. You put yeah. Powerless on at 8, you put Superstore on at 8:30. It's sort of a quirky workplace uh sitcom block that's that's pretty accessible. People have uh, uh, you know the NBC audience has proven this year that they will watch Superstore. Um and it will entirely self-start. So I can understand that they have faith in it in that way. Um, I mean, the one good thing this has going for it is that for the majority of its run in the fall, um, Superstore and The Good Place will not have to compete against Big Bang Theory and whatever. I mean, assuming Big Bang Theory is staying on Thursdays after CBS finishes its run of of Thursday night football games, um, it it will not have that direct competition in that way. So perhaps that gives it some breathing room. Um, I don't know. Unfortunately, people have been trained to tune away from watching comedy on NBC on Thursday nights, which is a complete 180 from, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, I just, it, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that people are going to be able to turn on the TV and watch Superstore. There's been a lot of, um, 8 p.m. shows NBC has tried to uh, make a self-starter and they just they can't do it. Uh, in an example of this this year actually on this schedule is Blind Spot is taking the Wednesday at 8 p.m. slot instead of the After the Voice on Monday. It got which, it got revolutioned. Yeah, it's 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 the same thing, and I don't think it's gonna. I don't know. I can't imagine it's, it's going it's, to make it past it's, it. It's not going to work. This is it's it's going to be literally exactly what happened to Revolution. Is Revolution <laughs> you, you tweeted was the big you tweeted yeah yeah Revolution was the big buzzy show the year it came on. It got the Monday 10 p.m. slot after The Voice. It did pretty decent numbers, and mm-hmm. slowly kind of started to tumble. And the thing is, the producers of Revolution always said Revolution is a family show. This is a show that families should be watching together. So NBC basically said, okay, well then if you think 10 o'clock is too late. Put up or shut up. You go on Wednesday nights at eight o'clock and you launch the night yourself. And it it didn't really held up in a night that wasn't super competitive. Um, their competition that year was like Survivor, X Factor, and and the ABC comedies. Um, it was so it wasn't like there was a high amount of pressure on them. Um, even with the voices that's lead in, Blind Spot has tumbled and tumbled and tumbled, and the ratings far below what. Um, what Revolution was doing in the back half of its first season. So, I mean, if you think the rev- if you think the numbers for Blind Spot are bad now, that's the that's what it's doing with the halo effect from the voice in front of it. It is now self-starting. This is not going to work at all. And I said this on Twitter: those who fail to learn from their NBC are doomed to repeat it. <laughs> you also said um, if NBC cancels the Carmichael Show, a show that gets a uh... 5 million viewers every episode, they're not good at broadcast television. And that's exactly what I said back in February when people were saying, will Superstore get renewed? And it's like, yes. Superstore is a first season comedy. They haven't had to pay to give anybody a raise. And so, like, nobody's gotten... The production costs haven't gotten enormously expensive. This is a show you put on, like, an out-of-the-way night in January with almost no promotion. does 5 million viewers and a 1.5 on the demo, and people actually like it. If that's a show that they don't bring back for season two, NBC is bad at broadcasting. And so I basically said the exact same thing about Carmichael's show. It's like, this is a buzzy show doing numbers in like an actual profitable night on TV. 
obviously that's a tough night because it's in direct competition with Game of Thrones, which is like the most popular TV show in the entire universe. Um, and it's still doing it kind of chugs along to like four or five million viewers a week. And so and it's like a, entirely a cast of people of color. So like that, that looks really good. And, you know, it, you're, you're making strides in, in an effort to diversify and you're doing it in a way that like this is a show people like, you know, this isn't like Dr. Ken where most people don't really like that show, but at least they can enjoy the idea of it being on the air because it's nice to have more than one sitcom on the air and on the same network that is entirely about an Asian American family and an all Asian American cast. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of crazy that, I mean, basically what we learned today is that 20th Century Fox wanted to do them to do 13 episodes. NBC only wanted mm -hmm. to do 10. And so that was the reason why they were kind of butting heads over the weekend. And they were stalling <laughs> yeah. about episode counts, which like is great. Why did NBC you only know, want 10 episodes of the show? I know. And I, and I always wonder, um, you are kind of stunting the show a bit when you, when you uh, short an order. Um, like I always go back to um, Happy Endings. Mm -hmm. um, like it had... 13 episodes and then had like 21 and then had 21 again or something like that. Yeah. And like if the first season, like if it would have been in the fall uh, and they would have had three um, full seasons, then they would have had no choice but to redo it. But in this case, like they, like they wouldn't bother to give it another season um, to get it to syndication, which always makes me upset. Um, it, the same thing happened with the Mindy project. Uh, Fox knew they were canceling it, so they like gave they gave the show three extra episodes, like just just to be nice. Yeah. Um, uh, Suburgatory was another one that that did it as well. Yeah, that was I don't know that why was that disappointing. One, one, it's it's that fifty-seven episode curse. It's when you do you do two full seasons of twenty-two, and your third is only and thirteen. It, and your third is thirteen, and, and that means that they it. have to decide if they really want to commit to that show to get it past the you know eighty-eight yeah. episode goalpost and. It just it sucks when that happens, you know. I was always I was we talking about happy endings. I th it makes me more upset because they had a show that was doing above a three, and they moved it to a new night, and they decided that it was a failure. <laughs> well, it was doing above a two. Uh, after Mountain Family, it was doing above three. It had a it couple of weeks where it did like eight million viewers and a three in the demo. I remember their Halloween episode that year did very well. The, the ABC, Crazy to think the ABC comedies always get an uptick for their Halloween episodes for whatever reason. People like Halloween. Mm. Um, okay, um, but yeah, we're not talking about NBC. I think um, well, we have a few. We can finish Sorry. off just sort of the schedule and just a couple other things to know. You know that that Wednesday lineup is filled as it is now by Law and Order SVU and uh, and Chicago PD. Um, you say Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are all Chicago. Yeah. There are, and then, and then Chicago Justice will, will be another one. Yeah, because Thursday night, um, we talked about the 8 p.m. hour, the 9 p.m. hour. They've moved Chicago Med there, and the blacklist is actually getting moved back an hour to 10 p.m., um, which, you know, that, that was a 10 p.m. show for a long time until they decided it wasn't, and maybe that's a better idea. I think it honestly was a big mistake for NBC to be launching that show in the fall. I think that they should have held that for midseason and ran it uninterrupted. Um, Rick, yeah. Rick Porter, who is the TV editor at uh, TV by the Numbers, um, tweeted out an idea for a schedule that I completely agreed with, which is NBC really should have just sort of put some schedule spackle on for the first six to eight weeks before I think their football games are going to start on Thursday nights around American Thanksgiving. And then what you can do is, <coughs> excuse me, you can bring the blacklist back like first week of January. You can do like a two hour premiere 
and then you know the next week you bring your shades of blue in on on thursday at 10 although shades of blue is as of now gonna air on sundays at mid-season mm-hmm. along with little big shots and something else at nine the apprentice maybe uh maybe that's not what they've announced but um they know um, it doesn't even matter what... today uh they said that the apprentice is gonna be on january but they didn't say the date See, why didn't anyway. they put on that on the Thursdays at 8 for, like... And you do it, you know, you run, you double-run episodes. Yeah, they, they... I guess so. They usually do it in January, though. They do, but that's when it's just... That was when Donald Trump was hosting the show, and it's just like, here's some crap. It's January on NBC. <laughs> Have it. Okay. Like, it also... I mean, speaking of how weird it is that NBC will occasionally do weird, weird things to highlight its, you know take it or leave it kind of tv shows i mean the friday 8 p.m hour has been given over to caught on camera with nick cannon which oh, yeah. is usually a show that pops up every april as nbc being like oh, i don't know what else are we gonna put on fall <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah like this is the full 8 p.m like they're just kind of well, like have this they cancel undateable <laughs> for this oh uh, r.i.p i mean i i get it and i i i said back in january when the when the show ended that this is a show that had a small audience, but it was passionate and live. Um, I think it was ultimately hurt by the fact that obviously the ratings were not good, but also it was not owned by NBC. Right. But it was also the longest running comedy that had been on NBC at the time. Like there was that time where, um, undateable was the first, uh, because we're not counting Whitney. Undateable was the first, um, NBC sitcom, that got renewed for a third season since Community. Well, Whitney didn't get a third season. Yeah, I know. I, we're not counting Whitney because it was two seasons. Right. Most most of them were one season. Whitney is an outlier for being two seasons, uh, but Undateable got three. Yes. And every year they just have these like big, big pushes like Go On and Sean Saves the World. Yeah, these things that they think um, are going to save the network. Michael, like J. Michael J. Fox, Fox show. show that just crash and burn immediately. Yeah, and um. I mean, I, f- I don't feel like we have quite, like, we don't have, like, those big pushes this year. Oh, um, one thing, in The Hollywood Reporter, what, uh, Bob Greenblatt, I believe, is the... Uh, he's the president NBC of NBC, yeah. So, so in a call, he actually said, he's feeling really confident with this year. And he also said that he feels like this is the first year in a long time that he doesn't just feel like they're th- he'll just feel like they're throwing things at the wall and seeing seeing what sticks which is a very amusingly candid thing for a guy like him to say did you see that yeah oh i definitely and i'm glad you brought this up because actually one thing i was gonna bring up with the nbc schedule that i think is kind of ludicrous is how nbc views the olympics as as a launching pad for fall shows so and for, practice for those of you keeping score at home um, the number of shows that NBC has made successes via promotional platforms through the Olympics is zero. None at all. This has never worked ever in the history of NBC. And so I love that Bob Greenblatt, if you remember back in 2012, they ran an episode of Go On on like a Saturday night at 11. They ran the Go On pilot a Saturday night at 11 o'clock after some random night of the Olympics and NBC is going to do this again with Superstore. They're going to run a Superstore episode sometime during the two weeks of Olympic coverage uh, in August 
go with God, whatever you say. It's If it gets the show new eyeballs, great, but I don't know if they should count on it. But, you know, they, they launched animal practice after the Olympics. They cut off the closing ceremonies of the Olympics. They cut off the who to put on Annie's boobs on Sunday <laughs> night at 10.30 on NBC, and people got very, very mad about this. And, you know, with our animal practice, that show was dead by Thanksgiving. So... You know, I just think it's funny that Greenblatt says in this show, like, you know, in normal year, we'd want to be using the big promotional push of the Olympics to launch a lot of new shows. But we're really happy with the stability of our schedule. So that's why we're only launching three new shows. They're putting Superstore uh, after the Olympics. Yes, which I, I mentioned they are going to they are going to mm -hmm. um, air one random Superstore episode oh, sometime yeah. during the couple weeks of the Olympics. Um, I mean, we could go. Yeah, I feel like we're good there. Um, we also have um, some new comedies. Do you know what Trial and Error is? Um, I'm actually pulling up the, the list of the new shows. Oh, oh, you know what? No, I do know what Trial and Error is, I think. Um, oh, no, wait, no. I, see, some of these shows, they sound so similar. Let me just make sure I absolutely know. Okay, well, well, great news is uh, Tina Fey produced uh, Tracy Wigfield uh, from Mini Project, and Freddie Rock created it. Um Horatio Sands is in there. Adam Campbell is in there. Uh, it's yeah, it's back to you. Bring it, bring it. Oh no, you're, oh, you're, you're talking about great news. Great news. Yes. yes. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were talking about trial and error. I I can't find the information about it, but yeah. I was hoping you pulled it up. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up on the the deadline article. Talking. I'm sorry. Talk, I interrupted. This is a insane podcast, but um. excited for that. We also have Marlon Wayans. Um, family sitcom which is parable of the carmichael show yeah if they ever need to do that uh do you have it yet um trial and error a comedic take on the hot genre of murder trial documentaries like making a murderer nick degasto who you might know as um jan levins's assistant hunter on the office yes co-stars with john lithgow oh wait that's a comedy this is a comedy yeah, I, I read I read that premise so many times, and I didn't I did not think it was a comedy. See this 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 plot confuses me with. There's a show on another network. Is it on? Is it on CBS? Um, there's a show on another network. It's about um, what's the one where um, Justin Kirk plays the guy who's like his wife was killed in some bizarre way and like an unsolved oh, murder, and so he like he buys a down on a down on their luck police precinct as a as a this is a real premise of a television show. <laughs> I wish I could remember. Is it Conviction on ABC? No, no that's the Haley Atwell it's, thing. It's the Haley Atwell one. Um, yeah. I swear this is a maybe this is on on CBS or something. It's um, um this, you, you hear me tapping now. This is the I think so. This is the oh you know what this is on um, this is on Fox isn't it? Is this, yes it's it's, it's it's APB on Fox. Okay. Oh, this is a show? This is a real show. A tech billionaire purchases a poor police precinct, hoping to close the file of a murdered loved one. The story is loosely based on a New York Times article. <laughs> this is on now? This is coming on, on the, in the fall on Fox. Oh. Well, maybe not in the fall, but... Okay. This is a show that just got picked up. Justin Kirk, from Animal Practice, <laughs> is on this show. Okay, well, the NBC is also doing a Taken prequel series of some random actor playing a young Liam Neeson which I don't think anyone asked for <laughs> no that's the that's the that's the theme of a lot of the upfronts pickups this year is here's a brand you know and didn't ask for but I guess I mean, there was watch like the, it. 
like the True Blood author wrote, wrote like another vampire novel, Midnight Texas, and that's gonna be and that's coming show, to NBC that, some point And there was like Vincent D'Onofrio, Emerald City with like the Wizard of Oz. Um, yeah, Emerald World. City, which has which has been on NBC's you know mid season schedule yes. for I think four or five years running now. Yeah, because it keeps I, getting canceled and retooled and then coming back. Um, the, the Blacklist Redemption, which I, I don't care about it at all. No, Tom Keen, I, I believe. Don't, I don't need a Blacklist spinoff. That's fine. I, I I said on Twitter that um. I refuse to tell my dad about this show because he's going to watch it. Yeah, I know. Keep that, he keep doesn't that a need to for as long as you can. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that's everything on yeah, the NBC schedule. Um, so, like I said, we know the NBC schedule, so we can get into that a little more next week. We will talk um, more about the remaining schedules once we know them. But uh, we can now bounce a little bit around and just talk about the new shows that have been picked up. Okay, can we do ABC? Let's do ABC. Okay, so we talked Designated Survivor. Uh, very excited for it. Uh, still Starcrossed um, is Rimes, a Shonda, Shonda show, and I believe it's what happens after uh, Romeo and Juliet. It's, yeah, it's basically picking up in that same uh, continuity. <laughs> Co-starring Bricks Whelan. <laughs> I mean, it's, okay, this is what this is the premise according to the it's Wikipedia not. article for the show. Still Starcrossed is a sequel for William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. It follows Rosalind, who is Juliet's cousin and black woman in the 16th century Verona. Following the death of her parents, Rosalind is taken in by her aunt and uncle, Juliet's parents, Lady and Lord Capulet, and forced to work as a maid. Okay. So, you know, it's it's bringing the Shonda, Shonda-inspired diversity to it's a... So- classic it sounds story. like a cw sort of thing like a, like a doesn't rain. it it does sound like that kind of thing well yeah. especially because the cw had a show called Starcrossed in which oh yeah amy teagarden it dated did. an alien i can't imagine this one lasting even if it's even if it's shonda i don't think so the only i mean the catch got a second season purely because it comes from shonda rhymes if that wasn't yeah. shonda rhymes that would have been canceled i think i mean you got conviction which um is like you cancel one Marvel uh, Haley Otwell series Agent Carter, and then you just put her in like a like a courtroom dra- uh, drama. Yes, she's it's she's the good it's the you cancel touch, but the president of Fox is too good of friends with Kiefer Sutherland that you have to reboot Twenty Four to to make That's it okay. Happens. So um, based- oh, uh, very excited about Katie Mixon getting her own uh, single cam single camera comedy on ABC. Yeah, I she, okay. Wait, no, remind me which one she is. She is, um, if you watch Eastbound and Down, she is um, That's, yes. she's on that show. Um, but then also, I feel like she's, a better example of her would be on that show, but she's been on Mike and Molly for all those years as whatever her character is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Eastbound and Down is where I like to point her out from. That's, okay, I knew I knew the name. Yeah, yeah. But she she could do it. She, actually, I, I tweeted um, Katie Vixen finally leading her own show and she favorited it. <laughs> <laughs> she's one of the people that searched her own name <laughs> somebody like Briga um, Helen who has who has earned her you know leading role yeah yeah well I think Katie Mixon even more because she's been a part of a syndicated show and she's been on Eastbound and Down for years mm-hmm. um, she's she's great um, uh, Ali Wong who I actually was watching her stand up special on Netflix just uh, just today oh yeah uh, on uh, on Beth's recommendation uh Great, great stand-up, and I'm excited to see her on the show. She's actually a Fresh Off the Boat a writer. Love it. Fresh Off the Boat is yeah. probably my favorite comedy on TV right now. Love that show. Yeah, for you. Now I have a question um, for you, Bram. And yes. the question is this. So would you agree that one of the best, best new television finds of the year 2014 
was Fargo star Allison Tolman. Yes, I would say 2014, great, great find. She uh, leading the show. Um, I guess you could call it that. Uh, there was not really a, a lead, but uh, the protagonist, definitely her. Um, the breakout star. Great find, and then she was in the Hello Ladies movie. <laughs> oh my god, was she? <laughs> she was. I'm she so was. Glad uh, I watched. I watched every episode of Hello Ladies, and that show was like pulling teeth every single week. <laughs> she was. Um, and I did not. Is, I refused to the watch guy, the Hello Ladies. Who was movie. the guy from Get Smart? It's um, um, Nate Torrance from Studio. Yeah, 16. Nate Torrance, uh, the love interest for yeah for him in that movie. Oh no. Yeah, it was not a bad movie. You should watch it if you watch every episode of Hello Ladies. <sighs> It's funny because I knew, knew, I knew, I like, I. It was very early on, obviously, that I realized I hated the newsroom. But when they announced they were going to do a final newsroom season of six episodes, I was like, "Yeah, I'll watch that." And they were like, two hour wrap up movie for Hello Ladies," and I was like, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I bring up Allison Tolman because obviously Allison Tolman did not get to come back for Fargo season two because her character no. in Fargo season two was a child. She had one scene. It would not have worked properly for her to be a recurring running part through that show. So we obviously wanted her to do something really, really good as her comeback vehicle. She had a, you know, she was in a couple episodes of Review with Forrest McNeil, season two. Yeah. She was good on that show. She is finally back in a new sitcom as a regular role. It is ABC's well, Downward Dog. <laughs> in which... Well, I, I, I believe this is also a retooled pilot. Yeah, I feel like she. I feel like she did it for the last cycle as well. That's. It um, sounds like. The, the, I feel like it's been in the development pipeline for a little bit. I think you're right. That might have been around for last season too. We've seen twelve seconds. If I'd say from this. Yeah. Uh, short little teaser. Um. Who who's who's the real boss? And you see, Allison Tolman, and the dog. And just like having a dog, and suddenly. Okay, the dog talks, and the dog says, me. <laughs> it's the whole teaser. It's like um, <laughs> it's like uh, Wilfred, but not quite as philosophical and introspective. Well, there was no joke there. I mean... Yeah. It's, um... I don't know. I mean, I want this to be good. I want good things for Alison Tolman. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not sure I trust ABC with any comedy that isn't about a family right now. Oh, yeah. So... But... I mean, there you have something that's in NBC's wheelhouse uh, from Sony. Uh, Imaginary Mary starring Jenna Elfman and from uh, Adam F. Goldberg. Mm-hmm. So this one is very strange because it was actually shot in Canada in Vancouver. Um, but it's Jenna Elfman. This is what pe- the people wanted Jenna Elfman back on television and they wanted they didn't get enough out of practice or sorry not out of what is um courting Alex. Uh, accidentally they, accidentally they didn't get purpose. enough accidentally on purpose they said we need jenna elfman these darman greg reruns aren't doing it for me yes but we also need a cgi rachel Dratt to be her friend to play her imaginary friend what do you make of this trend next season of hybrid animation live action shows because we also have son of zorn over on fox from i'm into that though i like that's very self-aware and it's sort of like so you think that the, it's not the execute or it's, it's rather it's not the premise that is bad but it's the execution yeah. that could lead this one astray imaginary mary i mean listen imaginary mary um it feels like it could be a reboot of alf but mm-hmm. i wonder if if mayor if um if the character is too annoying it's rachel dratt 
I mean, I like her, but she could be definitely grading if you use her the wrong way. The problem with ABC's comedies, and that people have pointed out, is that, like... I mean, I was, yeah, I like that Katie Mixon is getting her own show, but again, the show that she's on is going to be called Second Fattest Housewife. So we have this, yeah, we have the they're lady changing, who, They're changing the title for that I, one. God, I really hope so. In um, Westport. Yeah, it, it was originally called The Second Fattest Housewife in Westport. I hope, it, it seems like it's been shortened. I hope they completely change the title again. Um, but I mean, again, this is we have former fat lady is entirely defined by her weight. Lady whose best friend is her imaginary friend and lady whose best friend is her dog. So people have pointed out like, does ABC get women <laughs> like their comedy development for next season seems to just seems to suggest otherwise so this this is, this is just bizarre i mean and the thing that's interesting about abc's schedule is abc has 12 comedies total for next season because they didn't cancel anything this year they canceled the muppets which everybody knew was going to happen but the muppets hasn't been on the schedule since march 1st it had its time slot taken over by the real o'neills they also canceled gallivant which only ever took up four weeks of real estate as just sort of january filler so basically almost all of their comedies are coming back plus they've added a few new ones for next year so i have to think on their schedule they're expanding their comedy real estate um I, Agents of Shield is probably moving. I don't think it can hold up the Tuesday 9 p.m. hour anymore. I think they're probably going to put comedies there. Do we know what speech speechless is? So speechless is the thing where um, the, the the kid has um, like a disability. He's in a wheelchair, and the actual actor, um, like teenage actor, actually has cerebral palsy. Okay. Um, the parents are played by Minnie Driver, who you might remember from okay. About a Boy. Okay. Yeah. Probably lots of other things. Uh, John Ross Bowie who's been in a lot of very funny things and also unfortunately has been mocking lisps for years and years and years on the big bang theory as, mm-hmm. as Barry Kripke. Um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I trust family sitcoms on ABC. I don't know. I, I need to, I need to don't see know. this in full form. <laughs> you have no idea where this one. I really, this could um, really go that one, either way. Yeah. Well, that one's, that one's ABC. That one's on ABC um, for, at some point, well, that, I can't imagine that show. No, that one's that one's owned. Oh, it's owned by ABC. Yeah. Yeah, the okay. other two are not. Well, or that certainly Imagine gives it a leg up to start with. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine the show going coming out in the fall. I think it's a little too weird. Okay. It's kind of like the real O'Neills, where it's like we like to pretend that as a society we're not we aren't still holding on to tiny little shreds of homophobia, but we are. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Can we jump to CBS? Let's do it. Let's jump to CBS because I I love CBS. They're so ridiculous. <laughs> okay. So one of their early um, sure things was they gave an instant order to Kevin James's return to television, uh, 15 episodes straight to series. Kevin can wait. See, it's oh, a, I get the pun it's now. It's a pun. It's funny. Because it's like Kevin can wait. <laughs> yeah, I like it. You're going to make me watch an episode for the show, aren't you? I probably will. Um, <laughs> who, oh, um, Aaron Hayes plays the wife, actually. Which is interesting to me. That yeah, from Children's Hospital and uh, some other things. And the winner. The winner. Did you watch the winner? I didn't. I only knew about it like a year ago. Yeah, no, you, you weren't missing much. <laughs> um, the Great Indoors, a multicam. I don't know anything about this uh, one. Who's in this one? Oh, the Great Indoors is, uh, is the Joel McHale. Joel show. McHale. Okay. The Great Indoors, I, or as I think CBS probably wanted to call it, oh these fucking kids. 
Because <laughs> seriously, like, what other network besides CBS would put a show on the air where, like, Joel McHale is the old guy in this oh. show where it's like, the kids are just on their tablets all day and they can't, you know, these oh, kids no. and their technology want... and, like, oh my god. I'm really blanking on these, but what's Man with a Plan? Man with a Plan is the thing with um, Matt LeBlanc, that's it. And, okay, and... I'm not your friend. Yeah. I'm not your friend? What's that? <laughs> uh, it, was, it was supposed to be called I'm Not it Your Friend. It was supposed to be called I'm Not Your Friend? That's a terrible yeah. title. It was Matt LeBlanc well, and I'm Not Your Friend. Man with a Plan yeah, isn't because, much better. Because it was referencing friends. Oh, I'm Not Your Friend. <laughs> well, basically... <laughs> Basically, the premise of this was that um, he, Matt LeBlanc was married to Jenna Fisher in the original pilot. Jenna Fisher is leaving the show. She will not be in it full-time, and they're recasting. Um, right? That's this one, right? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Um, and so, basically, I think the premise is that, like, whoever the Jenna Fisher character is going to be, she's going back to work. Um, so, Matt LeBlanc is the man with a plan for how he's going to take care of the new baby after she's gone back to work on her maternity leave. Um... I am officially done of TV, with TV shows where the idea is like, oh my god, can you imagine? The man's gonna stay home with the baby. <laughs> yeah. Like, guys with kids Again, on speaking of Aaron Hayes, guys with kids on NBC, what a spectacular train wreck of a television program. Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy, that is the only reason that show got on the air. There is no <laughs> other explanation. No. Um, there's another show on the air with, with Zach Krager from, from Guys with Kids. I can't remember which one it is. Something yeah. on Fox, um, maybe? Ma- MacGyver is coming back. Uh, so CB- uh, Speaking of brands that nobody asked for, CBS is rebooting MacGyver. <laughs> MacGyver, which, which did a pilot for CBS. CBS did not like the pilot. They did another pilot. They picked it up, and now pretty much the entire cast and the showrunner are departing the MacGyver pilot. Oh, no. This has got... I, I can't remember the last time something like this happened to the upfronts where, like, such a show... That was so obviously a dumpster fire <laughs> was was coming on the air. Like, I mean, people. I think people are gonna watch this. People, people know this brand. It's like it's like elementary. You know, I think it's a no brainer for them to pick up. That people people know what that is as a brand, and, and it's um, it's a quirky little idea that they can certainly um, make do with. I mean, I think if CBS wanted a kind of quirky procedural, they can easily give a second season order to Limitless, but. That still hasn't happened yet, and it remains to be seen whether that Very will come back. strange to me. I feel like that was a solid performer for a little I while. I think it was, too. I think it certainly, that's a show that people like, and I think it would be really really weird if they let that go. I think that's a show they could nurture in a unprotected time <laughs> slot, even if they had to just kind of bury it on Fridays. <laughs> um, training Day, the series. Okay, Train, They're turning Training Day into a TV show. <laughs> yeah. With the people behind um, Gotham and, of course, Jerry Bruckheimer. And... Okay. Um, well, in the CBS family, um, CW, so I guess the big one here, um, well, they have Supergirl now. The big one here is, is Riverdale, which is the which is the Archie drama. Yes. Uh, well, it's a sexy teen dramedy, certainly. Which is, <laughs> I kind of, I wonder how they're going to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious. I'm intrigued to watch this. I can't imagine it's going to be something I'm gonna stick with for the long term i'm curious with for a couple reasons one is that it stars um 
one of the Sprouse twins as Jughead, oh, okay. who I have not seen in years and years since he since he left behind his are, Disney days. I'm cu- are we, curious yeah. to see if he's developed into anything of an actor. Well, is he the one of the guys? Is he the one who was like on Tumblr, or is he the other one? I don't remember. Like the one who was like trying to be an intellectual, or was taking school. Mm, probably. Everyone loves There's, him. I think I think Cole Sprouse is the one who didn't put a dick pic online. I okay. think that was the other one. Okay, so I can't I don't, tell him apart. I don't. I really can't either. I'm sure there is a way to tell them apart. It's it's just been too long. The CW is kind of um, crazy because I mean, it, like you said, it, they it, picked it, up. It was it was Cole the Tumblr one. Apparently. Okay, that that um, makes sense. I think Cole yeah. is the deep introspective intellectual of the Sprouse. Yeah. Shows. Um, I do wonder how they're going to make Jughead sexy. But let's see. I'm, <laughs> I don't know how they're going to make any of this sexy, but I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's translating it from a cartoon, so they really can I do want to be like they want. Jughead, like making out with one of the um, people on the cast, and he's like, like putting burgers in his mouth. <laughs> he's got room to do both. The CW is really insane next season because, like you said, they picked up Supergirl from CBS. Everything, which has, everything except for containment, which has really. Um, Supergirl always belong on the CW. Yeah. I mean, they try. CBS tried to say, no, 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 this can work on here, and then pretty much admitted defeat immediately. Um, but I mean, it was off brand for them, so that's that's fine. But I, I, I wish they had tried a little harder with that. I guess, but you know, it didn't work. So, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like you said, the the kind of crazy thing about the CW is they renewed everything. They renewed all of their shows. The except except for the one show my dad watched. <laughs> was that containment? That's crazy ass girlfriend. Yeah, containment. Literally the only so they're they're. I mean that was always intended to be a miniseries. So it is kind of weird that they had to announce that. that That's was what they're canceled. saying now. But it, it was kind of like Wayward Pines, where they would have said that <clears throat> it, it it was like it was like a safety net where I guess. if it gets canceled, you could always say yeah. But now it's coming back, and I don't necessarily have as much interest in Wayward Pines about Matt Dillon because I'm not really sure what the show is anymore no i don't care about that at all and i think that once empire became a big hit i can't imagine terrence howard was like not sleeping through that show oh god um but yeah i don't care anymore. literally the only three shows that the cw canceled after last season um were containment this summer is going to be the end of beauty and the beast and that was always a summer show so it's not taking up any real estate and america's next top model which i don't think has been on oh. the air since like october so they have three mm-hmm. new shows. I, well, Mad TV as well. And Mad TV is coming back at some point in prime, Out of prime time. time, probably. So, you know, I can't imagine... I literally can't imagine they put on more than one new show in the fall, which is exactly what they cool. did last fall. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was the only new show they launched in the fall. Right. The other thing is, um, with all these shows, keeping everything um, and having a deal of Supergirl, that's going to need a full season... Yes, they, Supergirl it feels is, like Supergirl's going to yeah. get a, a slot on the fall schedule. Oh yeah, it feels like you need to open up Sunday nights, and CW has never done Sunday nights, but they don't have the schedule. Like they don't have, they don't use the hours. Yeah. for the amount of shows that they have to put on in the fall. Now there was a year where they, they originally they did do Sunday nights. It was a, a lot of the time it ended up being kind of like reruns of stuff. There was one year where they they gave up their Sunday night lineup and it had it entirely programmed by a studio called Media Rights Capital, and it was um, a uh, lot of House of Cards, right? Yes, exactly, and it was a lot of weird, bizarre shows that were kind of off entirely off brand for the CW. Tanked super, super quickly because basically the CW threw up their hands and said, "We can't do Sunday. This company can do it. 
it failed and so it was a it was a really interesting time to be watching the cw on sunday nights it was the fall of 2008 and literally if you turned on the cw this was back when the cw's sunday primetime started at like 5 p.m do you remember this i don't so this, not at all so back in the wb days the wb used to do what they called big sunday and they they started their primetime at 5 p.m the first two hours would be entirely reruns of stuff 5 p.m as a supposedly a way of being like Oh, like, you know, if you miss stuff, you can catch it online, because this was before DVRs and Hulu and everything like that. And so they kept doing that in the first couple of years of the CW, because, like, people got used to that. Well, then the meteorites capital shows failed, and they're kind of just like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? So in the fall of 2008, literally, like, the first two hours of the CW Sunday, Sunday schedule was an hour of Drew Carey show repeats. Mm-hmm. They reran Jericho. For, like, no reason. Yeah. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. Jericho had been canceled for months and months at that point um it was it was the weirdest thing i do agree with you that sunday night i bet they wish they still had sunday night um i can't see a scenario where they get that back just because um getting the time back from local affiliates is probably impossible i know but they have to try it's it's like a jay leno situation that's exactly it is that like (laughs) back in the back in the and when when the jay and conan stuff was happening there was a lot of talk of conan going to fox and basically they were saying well there's no way that that'll probably happen because that would mean that fox would have to give up the 11 p.m hour which the Mm -hmm. affiliates love having for seinfeld reruns and things that they can just generate a bunch of money on 10 p.m hour. yeah which they're already using Uh, for like news on most fox stations so again if fox wanted to expand in the 10 p.m hour the affiliates would be like no yeah no they couldn't now but i just feel like cw has too many shows for the fall um, mm-hmm. That and I've heard uh, specifically moving Jane the Virgin and Tracy's girlfriend onto Sunday nights, which could be really bad for them. Do you think th- um, so? You think this is actually something that could happen? Is this something you've read about? There's there's too many shows. They they didn't cancel anything. I, I agree that there's too many shows. I'm just saying, I d- unless you've read something, I can't imagine that this is in any way a feasible possibility that this could happen. No, I read tweets. I, I feel like they have too many shows for what they need to mirror the fall. Like they need to give so many of these shows full seasons. Yeah. Um. That it just it doesn't make any sense to me, and I'm curious to see what they're gonna do. And they, and it's possible they're gonna need to do Sunday. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. That. But if, I don't agree that I I don't think it's a bad idea. I just as of right now I remain skeptical that it could ever be possible. Just because I think that for them to go to those affiliates and say we want the Sunday primetime back. Which they're again, they're yeah. probably making a ton of money on just showing movies or something. Movies, yeah. That they would be like, oh, by the way, um, can we actually have that back? And you're going to air the lowest-rated show on broadcast television? They'd be like, I don't no. know. They could they could do the the Flash and Arrow if they want, or the Flash if and, they wanted uh, to, I guess. The 100. Um, I don't know. It remains to be seen if they can make that happen. I'll believe when I see it. Okay. Well, we have Fox, who uh, uh, Son of Zorm, you talked about. It's interesting because Fox, they, um, Philip Lord and Christopher Miller actually have four of Fox's, uh, live action comedies, which is, they like, they, they, yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Son of Zorn, um, Making History, which is the time travel, um, Adam Pally leading Mr. Um, which you said pilot. last week That's, you were hoping got picked up and yeah, here it is. And it's, well, it's, it's, uh, Lord Miller and the other one is Last Man on Earth, which, uh, had its finale already and i'm gonna be watching it right after this 
Um, Basically, on the spectrum of shows in which Timeless is on one end and Time Traveling Bond with Alana Glazer is on the other end, Making History yeah. is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Adam Pally and I, Leighton Meester. It's going to be fun. I, I, I I'm looking forward to watching that. Um, um, I never really got also, into Last Man on Earth, but I don't, I'm, not, I'm certainly not against the, the Lord and Miller sensibilities of comedy. Oh, it's um, it's a great show. You should definitely uh, catch up. I should. I don't know if I could, should catch up, but I think I should pop back in on it and see what. Especially, see what especially, it's at. Uh, this season has been very excellent. Um, the Mick is a Caitlin Olson from um, is that her name? Yes, Caitlin Olson. It's always sunny. You know, with Sweet D on, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, very, very interesting to see her leading a uh, family comedy. This is an that interesting about premise that. where basically like her sister and brother-in-law had like flee the country because they're criminals or something and the caitlin olsen character is kind of a deadbeat herself but she's sort of stuck raising her niece and nephew now is that basically Mm -hmm. what the premise is i believe so yes um so apparently she's gonna have time to do this and and the the new season of of sunny which you know was only 10 episodes i'm sure she can make that work she's done it already oh it's already filmed (laughs) they, they they shot it like when it was airing like they do it way early wow they really do do it early yeah and fast yeah um okay pitch lethal weapon oh lethal weapon right yeah well this this one's damon wayne senior damon wayne senior and speaking of beloved rectified cast members making their way onto network tv clayne crawford who you know as as teddy jr on rectify is Riggs in the lethal weapon pilot (laughs) i i always liked him i certainly valuable ip Sorry, what's that? A valuable IP. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's uh, I, I, this is not a show I imagine I'll be watching, but no. I like the idea of that casting. Okay, the one that I'm very confused about is The Exorcist, because I don't know what they're, they're planning back on the that Exorcist, one. The Exorcist, and it stars Gina Davis. <laughs> yes. Commander-in-Chief star Gina Davis. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, pitch. What do you think of pitch? Um, I think pitch is going to be vaguely offensive for a couple different reasons. One is that it is going to fall into baseball. Into, it's going to. It's, oh yeah. So this show is a. This show is set about in the real world of Major League Baseball about the first ever female pitcher pitcher who um, to play in the in Major League Baseball. Um, so it's Kylie Bunbury as the the lead. I don't know if I know her from anything. She was apparently no, on Twisted on ABC Family, uh, which I never watched. Mark Paul Gossler's on this show. Um, Ali Larder, uh, Dan Laurier, who was the who was the dad on on The Wonder Years. You'll know him. Um, I think. Well, first of all, I think the show is going to fall, unfortunately, into some of its um, sexist trappings without even realizing it. Like it's going to be one of those shows that thinks that it's being progressive and doing something for for female roles on television and thinking that's enough and it won't it won't realize that it's kind of falling into dumb little traps where like um you know how its character deals with um with emotions and i i I don't know i just i I don't really have faith in this another show co-created by dan fogelman who has two shows on the air this fall whoa dan fogelman of the neighbors suddenly is everywhere on tv (laughs) The other reason I'm not, I'm a little wary about Pitch is that Pitch is going to be produced in cooperation with Major League Baseball. Like, they're going to be filming in actual oh. stadiums using actual, you know, Major League Baseball um, props and logos and, and branding. Well, I think they're filming be, this on the um, like Houston Astros. 
It's gonna be well shot. The, certainly, yeah. Yeah. Um, it'll it'll look good. It'll look realistic. I do wonder how much of the show Major League Baseball will nudge in the direction of product integration and basically a, a promotional piece. The problem with doing a show on TV about sports is that if you stray too closely to making your show um, be critical, uh, if you make your show too evocative of an actual major league sports, major sports league, and it is in any way critical, um, that can cause real problems. ESPN had a show on the air about 10 years ago that was basically about the NFL, and so obviously it got into criticism. It wasn't the actual literal NFL, but it got into criticism about this fictional football league. And the NFL did not like that people were drawing the comparisons. And they basically said, cancel the show or we are taking away your NFL rights. And so Ugh. it didn't it didn't move on after that. And so it is kind of unfortunate that if you're going to do a sports show on TV, it basically either has to basically either it can't exist because the network probably already has broadcasting rights to a major sport and they're not going to like it, or you have to do it in partnership with them. And then you're kind of, you're, you're, you're held hostage to what they basically want the show to be. So I don't, I don't really see, I don't really see a way where pitch can, can be a, a thing of subtlety. <laughs> okay. Um, did you ever watch 24? Because they have the 24 Legacy without, without I watched, Jack Bauer. I watched some seasons of 24. Yeah. I watched, I the, I watched the one really good year of 24. I also yeah. watched the final season of 24, which is one of the worst ones they ever did. <laughs> I don't care about this one that much. No, not really. I imagine that okay. they will announce that they're launching this out of the Super Bowl. and There you go. Um, yeah. Okay. We go to Fox. Um, we have Star on Fox, which is the new Lee Daniels show. That's I think the only one we haven't right. talked about. Um, Queen Latifah, Benjamin Bratt, oh, wow. okay. people you like. You know, it's like Empire, but it's not about a family, and it's about younger, up and coming singers. So, set in Atlanta, which that's fun. Oh no, um, Prison Break's coming back too. Never watched yeah, it. Whatever. I have no I, opinion no, on I that never one. watched that either. I'm, I, I think okay. I'm glad to have not watched it. I feel like we covered. Uh, that's it. These new shows. Guys, that's that's upfronts. That's certainly yeah. That's the new the newness of upfronts. Um, yeah, certainly. And I and I and I can't wait until <laughs> we're able to see all these trailers to actually be able to form an opinion on which are trash and which are not. Uh, it is one of the greatest joys in Upfronts is making snap judgments about yeah. uh, 30 second to three minute poorly edited cutdowns of not for air pilots. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was like super into Revolution when that trailer came out. Never watched it. You know what's funny is <laughs> I, I watched the pilot Revolution. Terra Nova? Again, just because it was on Hulu early. I watched the, the trailer for Revolution and I kind of thought like this could be fun. No. <laughs> Did not like the pilot. John Favreau, actually. Uh, well, we talked about new stuff. Um, maybe we just really quickly. Anything you want to feel is noteworthy about shows that were canceled? I mean, <laughs> it's not a very good time to be Patrick Warburton because Crowded got canceled after 13 episodes. Um, I don't know if you ever watched this, but last week I happened to slip into it and um it was uh, miranda cosgrove iCarly, 
coming back home into a uh i think i <laughs> one time i watched the cold open of it just because it's on after the, it's on right after the carmichael show it's very sexual it was so it, it yeah it kind of reminded me of i used to record superstore and i'd record you know a few minutes over just in case it ran it ran long so i always used to watch the cold opens for telenovela just to be like am i missing anything here no no i was not some of it was funny but it wasn't like it wasn't good enough to be like a show that you were invested into it didn't offend me but i was also it was yeah i was just like oh they're they're too tightly parked into this parking space and eva longoria has to like climb out the back of her convertible whatever it's not funny <laughs> It's a it's physical comedy. Some some yeah. Some people can do it. Some people uh, are not going to be able to uh, tell make it above surface level. Telenovela, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. R.I.P. Who cares? <laughs> well, a, a couple of incidents from cancellations. Uh, rest in peace, Castle. After eight seasons. Um, yeah. Castle is not a show I would have expected to go out this way. I would have expected them to announce that this is the last season and give that show a proper ending. ABC apparently decided they didn't care about that because they fired two of the leading actresses from the show and announced they wouldn't be coming back to the show next year if it got renewed. Um, so that was a bad way to mangle that. Um, <laughs> there were allegedly reports that um, Stan Akatic and Nathan Fillion couldn't stand each other and haven't been able to for years, so I don't know how much ABC could have done about that. But this is still one of their longest-running and most successful dramas of the decade, and it is kind of a bummer that it's just sort of fizzling out in this way yeah even if like this is the correct move they should not have been keeping that show on life support just so they could sell more reruns to tnt or something yeah bummer so yeah nathan Fillion will live yes he I'm, should like um i'm sure he should join like... um he should he should join powerless as like a that boss would be a fun role for him i think he could i yeah. think he'd do well in a half hour show yeah yeah i think um, so i don't know i'm sure he'll He'll find time to schedule, and they'll do another Doctor Horrible movie or something. I think when you like when you got a show like Castle, and you kind of like broke out in other ways. Um, in the meantime, like Doctor Horrible was like, was that before Castle? I guess yes, it was. it was during the writer strike. It was like a year or two before Castle. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like okay, well now you're discovered, and now you could be. Something. Now people kind of know who you um, are. Now you're not just but, the dude from Firefly. Who but but it's the same thing with like. Melissa McCarthy is now a thing, but she's still on Mike and Molly. Which is ending so tomorrow. Actually... Yes. She's finally yes. going so she to be free. So she... so she can't actually do anything. So now Nathan Fillion uh, has to go back and mm-hmm. and get on a new show, probably. Because yep. his movie career wasn't as substantial. Not so much. Although James Gunn seems to like him, so maybe he could be in uh, one of those Guardians movies. Uh, let's see. My mom was very upset at me for canceling Nashville, but uh, <laughs> honestly, I told her that the show was canceled, and she acted like I had made the call, like I had. Yeah. I, and it was like, you know, she would have found out eventually. It would have stopped producing new episodes. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it ran its four seasons. They can sell that into syndication to Hallmark. Breaking the news to your parents, like a so like one of their family members dies. It, it really uh, was. <laughs> any other cancellations um you know we talked about it at the top of the show the grinder was a show that um you know could have been something undateable undateable sad to see that go but i, I mean, don't really the third season was like crazy innovative for the uh live form but it just didn't catch on to people no and that's fridays that just that sucks so. i loved 
Now, the thing is, I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't, like, a bandwagon undateable fan. I did not really care about that show until it went all live. Me too. Um, I think I watched... I'm trying to remember, actually, how much of the first season of that I even watched. Did I watch Barely. Beyond the First Week? They double-ran a premiere, and I, I really don't think I watched Beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it, it had the Crystalia stench on it from, from Whitney. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but he's good. He was good on Undateable Live, and... That's that's yeah. that forever lives on at least as a a fun little thing that those people got to do. It's too bad that it couldn't have have gone on. Yeah, Ron Funches will get something else too. Oh no question, Ron Funches yeah. is in the Trolls movie. Yeah. Oh, did we talk about on the show? Um, there was a build up to Justin Timberlake's new uh, song, and it was like new Justin Timberlake song, and it turned out to be a song from the Trolls movie. And it's the most mediocre, like, it's going to be the song of the summer. Oh, yeah. Maybe. It's, it's already like, all over the it's radio. so, like, it's so bland and mediocre. It is such like, a design by committee, like, oh, end God. credits of an animation song that is just like, yeah, let's have a good time. Everybody dancing and be happy. Like, <laughs> like, like Shakira on Zootopia. It's actually well, kind yeah, of a good it's, song, like, it's even like, though it's that. It's like Happy from the Despicable Me movie. Like, they try to reverse engineer that. But it's even less like no, catchy. Is, yeah. I, I don't remember anything from it. And they got Ron Funches dancing in the music video. Yeah, it's it's everybody in that music video is a voice in the Trolls movie. That's why it's those yeah. people. Yeah. So you know it's yeah. Anna Kendrick and James Corden and Kunal Nair from the Big Bang Theory. So got it. Anyway, whatever. Longest episode ever, Brandon. It is. We're at the two fifteen mark. We're gonna wrap the show up with. A little bit of talk. We're going to do a semi-deep dive on a show that Bram has been telling me to watch all year long, and I finally gave in a few weeks ago. It's called Wacky Ex-Girlfriend, and we're finally... No, it's called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And, uh, what show? Have you, have you not heard of this show? No. What are we talking about? Okay, so it's, it's called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Rachel Bloom, who... Most people probably didn't know okay. before the show came on. Some song parodies on YouTube. Or not song parodies, Com- but... Comedy? It's comedy, a comedy songs. One hour? On YouTube. It's a one-hour comedy on the CW. No such thing. The Emmys would have you believe so, but it is a one-hour comedy on network TV. The CW is a network. It's on your cable dial. Look it up. 18 episodes of first season. Um, obviously, Bram, I know you're evangelical about this show. Um... I'd say I'm pretty close to it. It is the, it's been a little while since I've watched something that I actually was this enthusiastic about that, that really did make me that I really have felt as strongly about as this. Um, Mm -hmm. It has, it has such a joyous infection. Um, It helps obviously that it is a musical and uh, every episode has like original comedic songs to it, which are endlessly listenable. I actually bought the first volume soundtrack on iTunes. It was only 10 bucks. It felt like a steal. It's yeah. It it's there's there's quite a few. Was it twenty four songs? It's on that a one? lot. It's because and it's also got some rough cuts and, and demos. Yeah. And the thing is, that's almost fifty. Yeah. The the thing is that's that's that soundtrack is only the twenty fifteen episodes. Yeah. So the back like ten episodes of the show. Yeah, the nine. It's a uh, nine, nine and nine. And nine. So the last half of the yeah. show, all of those great songs still still yeah. get to be released at some point in the summer. Ton of songs. Oh, so 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 many. Um, do you have a favorite song from the whole first season? You, I know you like "I Have Friends." 
I do. I, I um, love. I have friends. Um, and like from the from the first moment I watched that. Um, I I I later on liked a boy band made up before Josh's Josh's that, a that's lot. That's a good one. Just because the um, the Josh's in there are just yeah so good and, and um, I love um, anytime uh, uh, I hate butchering his name Santano Santino I, Fontana. I, I I would have been able to say, yeah, yeah. Santino Fontana, um, his little um, piano man. Uh, what will it be? Yeah, that's a good one. In the uh, mm-hmm. in, in the bar, um, I love in the um, in the penultimate. Um, I think I like you. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh my god, I think I like. Yeah, I really like yeah, that one. I love it. That's what I'm looking forward uh, well, to from I, the. I go on and on, honestly. Oh, you really could, and I like. I have a bunch of favorites. Basically, anything sung by Paula, I really like too. Like two of my favorites, that I've been listening to constantly. I love um, his status is preferred. That's a really really good one. Okay. Yes. I also I kind of like uh, face your fears. Face, face, face your, fears. your fears is a little bit like of a generic song, but I think it's really funny. Like I like the you know the the backing track of the kids too. Well, Joe, I liked whenever they would reprise. Yes. So you had like a like you had like West Covina reprise in the um, love it in the beach in the beach episode. Oh, at, that is at the end when um that is the Josh was best saying. Rachel Blue moment of the entire season. Yes. See, yes. that's what that's what I thought is crazy about the fact that she won the Golden Globe, is that that was after the best episode of the entire season, at least in my opinion, which is I'm going to the beach with Josh and his friends. Partly because it's yeah, but, so like it's so devastating and kind of cringeworthy for Rebecca, but it has such a moment of triumph in the yeah. Josh and and Rebecca Westcovina reprise. Like when he starts up singing and she's not she's not crying and she's not exactly tearing up, but you can see her eyes are kind of like glassy, like she's really really touched. I was crying. Oh, it's that was amazing. <laughs> that is the best. That's the best episode I think of the season. Yeah, it's it's almost tough to watch in a way. But it's still, and also that's the start of the, um, kind of, well, it's kind of the start of the White Josh and, and Daryl arc, right? Oh, kind of great. starts in that one, right? Yeah. No, it was that one, yeah. So that's, that's good. That's certainly the first episode where they meet. So that, that was a really good arc. Like, you, you teased for me a, a while back that they were doing the bisexuality yeah, storyline. They really couldn't yeah. have handled that better, I don't think. It was done really yeah. well. There was no it, it's not It's not done with older guys. What's uh, that? Usually. It's not done with older, um, no older men. Older men very rarely explore their sexuality on TV or in, or in movies. Like it's that was a really unique angle. You know what the thing I think is crazy about that is that that character was going to be played by Michael McDonald from Mad TV originally, <laughs> yes. back when it was a Showtime yeah. pilot. Like, yeah, Pete Gardner could not be a more different actor and a different. Performance. I could not imagine because. Um, Michael, Michael McDonald Mc- pulling off the same thing. Michael things. McDonald has such a built-in snarkiness to him. Yeah. Like the whole point of Daryl is that he's kind of a he's kind of soft-spoken. So it's in t- like I do wonder how much of of discovering what he was capable of as an actor yeah. um, influenced what that well, character turned out. I also to be. really hope I hope that the Showtime pilot is actually on like a, like a set. Um, you know what? I really want to see that. I would that would be really interesting to watch because I remember at first thinking, like, oh, I, I'm kind of liking the show. I almost wonder if I would have liked the Showtime version better because the pilot dealt with a little bit more darkness and the pills aspect of things that the CW show wasn't running away from, but obviously the CW version of the show was a lot brighter and sunnier than the Showtime version oh, yeah. would have been. Um, but we know the songs are the same. Yes. Um, 
but I, I'm definitely curious on yeah Michael McDonald how what he would be like and and how how much it would resort to uh, profanity. Yeah, um, very curious about that. Another fun aspect of the of the songs on Crazy Ex Girlfriend is that they obviously never got away from the idea that the show would have been on Showtime because a lot of oh, the yeah. songs get released onto YouTube after the episode airs as an as an explicit version. I love um, it. The Jap Battle that was a good one too. Yeah. A lot of references I got. In just uh, yeah, just just a really really fun, joyous show, really. Um, yeah, very happy you enjoy. I hope I hope it doesn't lead askew in season two. Um, well, Rachel Bloom was like, "We have a four season plan for this." I was like, "Okay." I seriously hope either the people discover it from Netflix or CW actually is willing to make this go four years because it's too yeah. it's too good I, i'll be really upset if this goes away it, is it on netflix yet uh no I, I well the cw has a deal but i'm not sure if that's gonna say, it's not included in the every, in the jane in the jane original every season i of like every cw show i think goes on netflix eventually yeah Okay. Um, yeah, if it needs to be a separate. If you deal, like yeah. the show, or if you are intrigued by the show and want to check it out, and you do live in the U.S., the entire first season is free on iTunes. I believe it is, still is, right? Yes, I believe it's it free is. on iTunes right um, now. The CW has done this with both Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Jane the Virgin because obviously mm-hmm. they really want those two lead actress in a comedy Emmy nominations this year. I don't blame them. I think they could make yeah. it happen for for both Rachel Bloom and Gina Rodriguez. So well, the um, the, this is a good time to put out an album. This is a good time to uh, make just try to get that as accessible as possible. And I think, pop. yeah, I think the and reason we the have cut off is the thirty first. Yeah, I think the reason that is that is August thirty first when it's coming out the album. Oh uh, no, I mean the the May thirty first is the cutoff for. Oh right, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I believe the people start voting like a week after that. Yeah, and I was thinking that. That first week of June would be a good time to put out the second volume of the soundtrack yes. for season one. Agreed. And that's exactly why, um, yeah. like we said we'll a few weeks ago, Casual is coming back to Hulu that week because I guess they think that mm-hmm. they can try and get Emmy voters' attention on the first season of that Certainly. show while it comes back. Netflix did that this with Orange is the New Black season two. That worked that well. So Yeah. Put it out in the first week of June. It's fresh in people's minds. Unreal on Lifetime. Unreal's not going to get any Emmy nominations, though. No, but it, it is going to be. Maybe Constant week. Maybe. Yeah. Great show. Definitely watch Unreal. Yeah. Um, we'll have a few different podcasts um, after the uh, the finale to talk about Unreal. Um, as we mentioned, we are going to be discussing the um, cinematic ventures of the SNL cast members uh, over the summer. Yep, and that'll be... That'll be a fun thing to get into. Uh, definitely be, be talking about the Ghostbusters movie and uh, <laughs> and the do-over and the oh god the yeah the do-over and pop star. Yeah, yeah. See, the thing is, I can't even really complain about um, about the do-over because I watched those episodes of The Ranch by my own like free will, and we didn't even <laughs> end up talking about it. So it wasn't like you even made me do that. So you know. No. You're you you're still free to make me watch something on Netflix okay. for the for the sake of Well Ben, it's an hour to midnight where we are recording this, so I think we should definitely wrap <laughs> this up. I think up. let's wrap it up as we near the two and a half hour mark. Um 
So we're the featured players. You could follow us on SoundCloud at the featured players. We also had Tumblr, featured players. You can find some links, places, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcast player you use. Um, but if you're on iTunes, please, if you like the show or if you hate us, then just leave a review. Helps so much. Gets us a noteworthy status, which is going to be helpful when we are trying to stay relevant over the summer. Um, I am uh, at RealBrams, uh, R-E-E-L-B-R-A-M-Z, or Z, uh, on Twitter, and Brendan? I am at Brendan D. Noel on Twitter. And even if your iTunes review is just, guys, I thought this was an SNL podcast. You talked for SNL for like 45 minutes and then spent four hours talking about upfronts. What gives? <laughs> That's fine. Leave that as a review. It's fine. We take your criticism to heart. I, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by how much how much you know and, and how much you've invested in um, particularly the um, how the, the uh, major league baseball and the dates gets in, of upfronts. Yeah, that. But also how major league baseball gets gets invested in like pitch and how like you have to like all this all these rules and yeah. This we we never said that we weren't inside baseball. This is uh, we're all, oh, literally we're always going to be an inside baseball podcast. This is this is my life, folks. <laughs> These are the things we choose to be passionate about. So, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> very very right. well done. Twitter account is uh, at featured SNL, and I believe that's good. I think that's we're it. Good to sign off. Another episode in the books. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you later.